This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Aetherite Radio. This is uh, Gamerscape's podcast about Final Fantasy XIV and all of the topics therein. Uh, I'm Sneezer, and today joining me I have Aldino and Rook, and also we have three guests. Three very lovely guests have come to join us for our uh, topic of LBGTQ discussion and inclusion in 14. Um, I'm probably going to mix up the letters a bunch because I'm bad at acronyms. (laughs) I really am. So if I do, correct me. Um, Right. Yes. So if you'd like to introduce yourselves really quick. Who would like to begin? Hi there, everyone. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I am Ascalia Ryumasa, or, well, I used to be, and I guess now I go by Callie more often than not. I am a trans gamer girl, really excited to be here today, uh, host uh, and content uh, head of content for Checkpoint XP, formerly of the Limit Break Radio podcast, and really geeked to be back here in the FF11 community, or FF14 community <laughs> today, and the FF11 community, the Square Enix co- consortium, yeah. really. Uh, geeked to be here and geeked to talk a little bit of LGBTQIA+. Uh, politics. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, yes. <laughs> hi, friends. I am I'm Sophie or Spofy. My Twitch name is Spofy. Um, I stream Final Fantasy 14 on Twitch seven nights a week, though sometimes some other stuff too. Um, just about every night, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to chat about stuff. I personally identify as pansexual, and I am on a wonderful stream team on Twitch called the Rainbow Arcade of LGBT individuals. So it's exciting to be able to talk about this stuff here. And hi, everyone. My name is Glenn Angel, or just Glenn. I am a gay Latino Latinx uh, content creator here on Twitch. I love to play Final Fantasy XIV, but I've also like dug in my heels into like all types of Square games because I never got to play them. When I was younger, I also loved to make videos. You may have seen me on Twitter with some uh, random videos like uh, FF14 jobs if they were to order coffee. <laughs> um, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm also in the same uh, stream team as Sophie in the Rainbow Arcade, and I'm just excited. Hi. Thank you all very much for joining us. We are excited to have you. Yes, 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 so yes. <laughs> All right, so we will start off, uh, as we usually do, with the news. Uh, there, There is a little news this time, uh, as I mentioned before. Uh, the, the, first, the first thing that's kind of cool, I guess, is uh, there's a mock station sale going on right now. Um, I know a lot of people are excited about this peacock mount. It is a peacock mount. Does the whole feather thing and everything. Uh, that guy is $24, he's account-wide, and uh, along with him there is Peacock Attire, hat, robe, gloves, skirt, and shoes. 18, not account-wide, you know how they do. Um, mm-hmm. And if, if you're one of those people who loves to change their character all the time, uh, I, know, I know they're out there. People, oh, yeah. people be loving that. Um, they're, they're 30% off Fantasia's right now, so grab like 100 so that <laughs> later on you're not just spending all of your money to fulfill your desire to change. Uh, uh, the peacock mount is $24 mm-hmm. while on sale. I don't yeah, think I it's don't... on sale. The oh, that okay. One? No. Okay. No, no, okay. No, 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 no. <laughs> I was, I was confused. I was like, wow, that good golly, Miss Molly. No. Yeah. yeah. Up there, no, no, is no. it 40 bucks, you know? Yeah. But if you no, do no. get a hundred Fantasias, that should keep you for like a week. 
Yeah, that, yeah, will, yeah, that will keep you for a week at least, and then after that you'll have to buy a hundred more though, probably. Right. I, I have never fantasia my character. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> me, not, me neither. I'm one of those people who, uh, I changed my character from 1.0 to 2.0, and that was it. Like, I, I, I kept my say. character the same, like, my... A uh, 1.0 character was as close to my FF11 character as possible, and then my 2.0 character was as close to my 1.0 character. So I've never changed her. Really? What? Yeah. I mean, granted, to be fair, I am not a Fantasia holic. Like, I have not, you know, like just completely given myself to Fantasias. Um, but I did. I've changed at least twice, I think. And Viera happened, everybody. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why people wouldn't have fantasia for Viera. I... <laughs> I would love to Fantasia for Viera, but as a Femro, I, I just... Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, yeah. no, no. You're a gift. You're a gift. You don't need to be <laughs> yeah, Definitely. <laughs> that dumb, beautiful unicorns. Uh, anyway, that sale, uh, should you require a billion Fantasias, uh, started the 26th and ends June 30th, so you have plenty of time. Uh, the other thing, the other good thing, uh, Maiden's Rhapsody event, which happened years and years and years ago, uh, it's a Final Fantasy XI. That's why you keep talking about XI. It's a Final Fantasy XI mm -hmm. crossover event. Um, if you've already done it, it is a repeat event, so you don't really need to do it again. Um, but if you missed it all those years ago, you can now go and get uh, that really just awesome outfit. I don't remember the name of the character. from Iroha. There you go. Yeah, Iroha. But I love that outfit. That's a great yeah, girl. By the way, if you've never played the Rhapsodies of Vanadiel storyline back in eleven, and you want to cry, there's story <laughs> to do that with. It's also going to make you a little bit mad at Shadowbringers because let's just say they may be reusing some story elements. But <laughs> that said, it, it's really good. That Final Fantasy life. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I got a question because so, you know, I just got back in the game like last month, right? And there is one thing that even when I left the game years ago, I wanted. I wanted with every fiber of my being. It was the best thing to come out of Stormblood, and it was limited time, and I didn't get it, and I was really mad when I found after. So I came back for a month secretly last year. I didn't even tell people I was back, <laughs> and I was mad because they did the event again, and it wasn't in this year. I want the Rainmaker hair. I want mm. that cool sexy ass haircut and i can't get it and they haven't announced the make it rain event for this yeah. uh, year what's going on square enix do you hate me i'm sorry i know i did lbr for a few years i know you're mad about it don't tell me you're not <laughs> where's my hair yeah i'm sorry i meant to tell you this uh callie we did we did speak to square ahead of time and they did say mm. that yes they are they're a little mad at you so they're never gonna put it back in the game again you should Gone not forever. tell square enix that you are having me on this program <laughs> to value your relationship with them at all <laughs> I could, I'll tell you a story at FanFest, uh, no, I'm sorry, at E3 uh, a few years ago, I took my Limit Break Radio bag and had um, Yoshi sign it, and he took one look at it and gave me the dirtiest look I've ever no! seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> But he signed it. He did sign it, and so did Soken. Soken thought it was great. <sighs> Dear sweet Yoshi P. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you put up, you put up about... so much. Speaking about Yoshi P, we've had a little we had a little news directly from Yoshida. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Uh, he's put up a a letter, not from the, not live. I I miss the live, but this is <laughs> yeah. this is one of his uh, forum posted letters. Uh, I might skim over parts of it for the most part. I'm just gonna read it to you guys. Uh, imagine my voice as the sweet sultry tones of director Naoki Yoshida. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, we have received queries from many worried players concerned uh, with how the novel coronavirus will impact the uh, North American Fan Festival. Allow me to explain hi, 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 hi. the current situation. <laughs> yeah. uh, the North American Fan Festival was, was scheduled to be held in San Diego half a year from now in November, but after much deliberation, we have made the difficult decision to cancel proceedings. Don't be sad, everybody. They're looking out for us here. They're just yeah. meant to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, although we have been moving forward with various arrangements to adapt to the unfolding pandemic, we ultimately feel that we cannot guarantee the health and safety of the attendees, performers, or company staff members who would be present at the event. Thus, it is with great regret that we arrived at, at this conclusion, and I offer my sincere apologies to all who are looking forward to enjoying themselves at the uh, festivities. Let me... I'm interrupting myself as Yoshi, interrupting <laughs> myself. Uh, if you have, I mentioned this before on, I, I think, Mr. Happy's podcast. If you have a hotel room already set up for a fan fest, remember to cancel it. Because if you don't, you will still have to pay for it. That's how hotel rooms work. If you don't show mm -hmm. up, you still pay for the hotel room. So if you preemptively got yourself one, please cancel it and save your thousands of dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or yes. be like me and have Airbnb tell you they're not giving you your money back. Oh, <laughs> no. What? Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's oh, I got half of it, but it's like the host prerogative, and they mm. were like, we're struggling. Sorry. We're keeping your money. Right. Oh, geez. I mean, yeah, it's tough because on one hand, you're going like, I do understand that right now probably nobody is doing that Airbnb. So, like, they probably are hurting for money, but at the same time, it's a pandemic. And, you know, like travel plans are changing and people can't safely go places. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, you know, worst case scenario, you could just keep the hotel and have a fun weekend in Vegas. It is a fun town to visit, but... It's San Diego, though, now. It's, it's not even Vegas. It's in San Diego this oh. year. Well, actually, San Diego is an even better town to visit, so that's also a good call. Okay. Mm. See, that, that's very... what I was looking forward to, because yeah? I've never been. Yeah. San Diego's great. If, you, if you've never been, it is an awesome town to go visit. It's got basically everything you want in a, in a vacation yeah. destination. That said, if coronavirus is ravaging us in phase two, <laughs> maybe don't go. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Maybe don't go there. I mean, I guess you could, you could hole up in the, you could hole up in the Airbnb and have a little bit of a, a little bit of a quarantine-cation, but it's probably best not to risk it. No. Probably best not to. We don't Hopefully. want any hazmat dances. Yes. No. Hopefully there's some no. sort of, uh, I don't know, government mandate that helps you get your money back. Because that's, yeah. that's yeah. kind of bullshit. Yeah, that yeah. sounds like our something. government. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm an idealist sometimes. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, despite the cancellation of the San Diego event in November, however, we have not given up on holding our next fan festival in North America. Plans are already in motion as we examine possible dates, cities, and venues for a festival in the first half of 2021. So while this one is canceled, it's it's more of like a, a relocation of, of perhaps place definitely time. They still they still want to give us that, that event. And uh, it's also a little funny because... North America, a lot of people that I've heard from North America are always like, oh, I wish we weren't first because we'd get more uh, announcements. Well, we're not mm -hmm. first now. Yeah. So maybe we'll get those yeah. jobs. not the best, but. Yeah. Maybe we'll get yeah, those yeah. job announcements. Uh, in adhering to the safety guidelines and requirements set forth by national and local governments, it is likely that future events will experience a number of restrictions. As such, we are not only exploring a physical event, but also looking into alternative ways to realize the event digitally. We uh, will share news of our progress as things start to take shape, so please stay tuned for more information. 
what's the temperature check on a digital fan fest? Like, I mean, it's not what we want, but I think you'll be able to get a lot thing? better answer on that after we see like what the summer of No mm -hmm. E three is gonna look like. Because right. obviously we're getting yeah. we're going through the whole period of like people, everyone's doing their events digitally this right. summer. By August, everyone might be kind of burned out on that as a concept, mm -hmm. or maybe they're really cool for most of the summer. Everyone's like, maybe we should just do it this way from now on. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, I think it's not a bad idea, and especially because so many, you know, gaming companies are sharing a lot of news through, I mean, live streaming and all sorts of stuff that we can realize now that maybe even in past years just wasn't really viable. Um, and, you know, things like Tenocon and Warframe, for example, mm -hmm. they've done like a digital version of Tenocon, like right alongside their fan gathering, like their actual live fan gathering um, for several years now. So I think you can do that. It's a little tough, though, with 14, because I do think that FanFest, and with it being an MMO, FanFest is really a time that people socialize. Like, that's just a huge thing, like right. getting together with free companies, meeting people that you've known online for a long time, uh, creators all coming together to finally get to talk and see each other in person instead of just in our little squares on the internet all day, mm -hmm. you know? So it is a little, I think it'll be maybe not quite the same, uh, but it's obviously the right move, you know what I mean? And the news that comes out of it, they can easily, you know, disperse to everybody. Right. Uh, they already had the uh, the digital alongside uh, the regular 14 Fan Fest, so we do know that yeah. they're equipped to do it. Um, I personally, I'm, I'm on the, but I want to go see my friends train, you know? Right. Yeah. You can't right now, I get it, I understand. You shouldn't. Um, yeah. So... If if that's what we get and and it keeps everybody safe and keeps things from spreading, then I'll take it. You know, mm -hmm. so that's uh, a little bit little bit more than halfway yeah. is my temperature on this. Uh, I'm gonna skip a little bit ahead because uh, he then talks about uh, the next patch. Uh, imagine many of you are wondering about. Uh, I got. Is it skipping? No. Okay. No. Cool. The stream was skipping for me, so anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, now, I imagine many of you are wondering about 14's uh, next major update. So let me take this opportunity to talk uh, about the development status for patch 5.3. As of this moment, most of our staff have finished setting up their home workstations and are able to access test servers, update data, and uh, implement newly developed content. If you consider our usual pre-pandemic development production at 100%, we are currently sitting at around 85 to 90% capability, which is pretty good if you ask me. Uh, the missing 10% can be attributed to work from home network issues, uh, reducing or reduced debug uh, efficiency and the general stresses of adjusting to this new work environment. Uh, Gat, we mean to close as time goes on. We have progressed from an almost complete halt in development to a near full operation, which means toward the end of the next week, we'll be able to conduct what we call a producer director check and begin a thorough playthrough of main scenario and other content. Uh, I, I don't know how far that it out that means it is, but it sounds mm -hmm. promising, right? Mm -hmm. Our QA team in particular has been hit hard by the loss of its regular merch space and won't return to full capacity until partway into June. With support from every department, however, they are making progress with patch preparations and the 14 team as a whole is uh, working full steam ahead. Originally slated for June 16 release, patch 5.3 will be delayed by more than a month at the very least, but we are pushing to keep that delay as short as possible. We will announce a new release date in the near future, so please stay tuned. Lastly, may I once again extend my heartfelt sympathies to everybody affected by this pandemic. Thanks, Yoshi P. <laughs> 
sweet little Yoshi P. Right. It's it's I, just insane that they've gotten back to ninety percent. You know, like yeah, I think so. It's tough. Well, what's that? And especially for, especially for I think, um, trying to figure out how to phrase this exactly. Sure. But I mean, especially for a, a a gaming development, you know, division that is in Japan, which yes, for many cases has not always responded as fluidly to some of like these large changes or, you know, um, shifting to a different sort of work structure. And especially too, with them having, you know, servers all over the world, like, and, you know, different organizations and, and parts that fall underneath that of their, you know, staffing and structure like customer service that are all over the world. So like, that's a huge thing to coordinate. I do not envy them doing it, you know? Yeah. Well, and the poor I mean, I don't en envy the logistics of anyone who's had to try to make this you know this whole situation tenable and you're right i mean mmo developers in particular they not only do they have to continue you know working on f future content for their games but they also need to deal with you know server issues across the globe like what is happening in japan is of course pertinent to them but if there's an issue in europe if there's an issue in north america that also affects them so while this is a big challenge for them it's also been an incredible opportunity for them uh everyone's at home and everyone needs something to do mmo growth like good times for mmo growth if, <laughs> if if i had been charge of sc this game would have been free for the entirety of covid <laughs> because this would have been an amazing time to revitalize the community yeah, yeah i mean absolutely. we've seen a ton of people come in and i mean i think we have had some you know there have been some you know things they've been doing some of these sales uh even i think bringing back this 11 event kind of you know giving us another taste of that and letting people who miss it the first time come back and get it um and get the rewards from it here while we wait for this delay on the patch i think that was a smart move like you can tell that they're definitely adjusting some things and trying to sort of give people stuff to do and draw them in and, and sort of grab that audience. But yeah, having like a a really big effort to give away a bunch of free copies of the game and stuff would have been really great. And they've done that to some degree. They did make it free on PS4 for- yeah. That's whole, right. Like mm, anybody yes. could grab it for free, so. Mm -hmm. You're right, you're right, I'd forgotten, yeah. I'm also glad that they're communicating because like sometimes you see some of these uh, big game developers just not, taken the time to go like this was a very in-depth and very just like intelligent response telling us literally step by step what was happening and especially like doing the the 10 was because of this this and that they didn't just gloss over it. they said look some of our employees are also like trying to get used to it so that's that's that on that mm -hmm. and i think that's amazing I just yeah, think yeah. it would have been a really cool play at either the beginning of may or the beginning of june if they had said hey have you ever had an account with FF14? It's mm. active for a month right now. You don't have to go on and reactivate it. It is active. Log in, play, tell me what you think. You know, mm. tell me where you think the game is at right now. I think that could have been a really cool methodology to try to bring some people back. We might even see that, honestly. I mean, they do the returners weekends and stuff like that pretty frequently where you can come back and play for free for, you know, a handful of days. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as I know, and anybody else, please feel free to contradict me. I don't think during this we have had like a big returners campaign, have we? We did. There was, there was did a big weeks. free login campaign for like yeah. a month, I think. Oh, oh. oh. Okay, okay. It might have been like in April, possibly. I think, yeah, right? maybe it, it was sort of like... Beginning right when it was starting yeah i think, yeah, they, I think could, so. they could bring it back and do another big thing especially as we kind of look at stuff 
getting sort of extended out. A lot of people's work from home and things are getting extended through September or later at this point. So even though some states in the U.S. at least are opening, um, you know, there's still plenty of places all around the world that are going to be deep in this for a while. And even here in the States, right? Yeah. I mean, I personally work in the industry and like it's the only way that they could have been more like uh, forthcoming is to say how much they're cursing at their VPN and trying to connect and, you know, <laughs> how much crap they are going through trying to get this to even work in the first place. So it's it's just amazing that, that well, they, they were that transparent. You're they right, did you know? mention it, but they mentioned it yeah. in like a, a professional like yeah. <laughs> part of part of that 10 percent of difficulty is every day, all day cursing, <laughs> cursing at my modem, my VPN. Why is this shit not working? Um, so yeah, our, our topic, uh, I'm actually going to let Rook kick it off since, mm-hmm. since she put, she put this, this baby together. So if you would like to present to, to us, your, your child, everybody assemble around pride rock. I'm going to lift Simba up in the air and we're going to celebrate <laughs> pride 2020. It's time. It's a, it's a weird time in the world to have this month that for so many of us, is such a time of celebration and joy, but it's an incredible time to look back at everything that founded this movement, how it's affected our lives, how we can all respond and continue to educate ourselves and learn more about it and engage with our communities and to spread that awareness. I mean, there's just so much going on and we will talk more about this with some um, fundraising as well towards the end of this whole podcast today, but pride at its heart, um, I mean, has such a history Um, just tied so directly to a lot of what's happening in the world. And we are happy to celebrate it with everybody, even as we are sort of struggling with some of those, you know, other issues that we're all sort of talking about right now and keeping in the discourse. Um, But all of that aside, it seems like a very good time here to have a discussion about LGBTQIA plus representation in Final Fantasy XIV. And um, we had already some beautiful introductions from everyone, uh, our guests today. Thank you so much. Um, I'm also super happy to be a part of the Rainbow Arcade stream team. And I love you all. It's a wonderful family of LGBTQIA plus broadcasters. Please go check it out if you haven't yet. Um, but as a pansexual player myself, um, this seemed like something. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Because 14 does have areas where we've seen some representation. Um, and there's areas where players have made their own communities mm-hmm. and representation and all sorts of stuff, right? So it's a big part of the game, whether or not you know or are connected into it. And there are areas where we can do better. There are areas where we already are seeing a little bit. So we figured we'd get into it. Um, I'm curious to start. So Zen, Aldino, where, feel free to give your own introductions on how you're connected in or you know where you are with everything as well, since we're sure. getting into it. Goodness. Um... How do, I didn't expect to, to have to go here, but um, I guess. But what's up? Tell us your story. My story. <laughs> My story. Um, I don't know. Uh, the Pride community has always been a big part of my life uh, ever since uh, I want to say I was like 13. Um, I feel like that's the point in your life where you start to realize that people are different, uh, or maybe it was just me, I started to realize people are different in certain ways, but for me, um, because of the people that I was exposed to, those differences didn't really matter so much. Person is a person is a person, and uh, I'm really grateful in my life to have been exposed to the variety of people that I have been exposed to, so that uh, I I feel like I can be more accepting of, of different 
whatever you want to, gender, uh, uh, sexuality, race, the whole spectrum of, of things that do make people different. Um, I guess, I guess that's all I got. <laughs> that's good. That's, mm. that's great. Yeah. Well, then I'll follow. Um, yeah, uh, it's funny. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. It comes up, but I have known Zen since I've been 13, I think. Somewhere <laughs> around there. Yeah, somewhere around in the same time. You know, we had the same friends, you know, a lot of theater, a lot of cosplay, you know. So we had just about everyone you could ever have. And it was amazing. And, you know, personally, I, I myself am, you know, a heterosexual, cisgendered male. So really, I... I don't know, you know, the struggle. I'm here to listen and to ask questions, really. I mean, because, you know, people have questions and, and they're always afraid. But, you know, this is such a welcoming community that if they're respectful, you know, like if it's for your own illumination, why not? But, yeah, so I'm, that's what I'm here for today. That's awesome. No, thank you. I mean, it's... It's funny because I think a lot of times when we talk about these sort of topics and we get into, you know, a specific area of focus, it can feel like sometimes it's hard to all engage with the conversation or know how to appropriately engage with the conversation, which has been in the forefront of so much discussion, you know, right now. Um, but it's just as important to have people alongside who are part of those communities who are saying like exactly what you said, Aldino. I'm here to listen and we're, we're going to work through it. And that goes, I think, for all of us. We are all listeners and, you know, active listening to experiences that are beyond our own. And especially during Pride Month here. Um, yeah, people may come into contact with those communities and be curious and not have bad intentions and want to learn more, you know. So maybe our discussion today can kind of uh, bring a little bit of that, too, for anybody who, you know, might not be a part of the community themselves, but is curious about hearing how we engage with these topics in Final Fantasy XIV. Well, I think one of the things I keep hearing uh, as we get into June here is, man, especially among the LGBTQ community, is it's it feels like a really weird time to celebrate Pride, given everything that's going on. And I, I've, what I've been saying back is, to me, Pride is celebration of self despite all adversity. And boy, do we live in an era of adversity <laughs> right now. There is no more important time to be celebrating Pride than there have, there's never been a more important time exactly. than right now. So I think it is major. And as we look towards FF14, at least for me, FF14 was an incredibly formative experience for me because in an era where I was not ready to accept myself as trans and certainly wasn't ready to come out of the closet, you know, I had my main character, Ascalia Riyamasa, that was, you know, hey, this is my character I'm going to use for Limit Break Radio and for everything that, and for my, my public facing self that people will know me by and then i also had the opportunity to put together an alt character and whereas i spent maybe five minutes creating escalia in the character creator my alt character callie she was probably four four and a half hours or something like that before i had finally gotten her together she had the name that i go by today before i did like i mm. wasn't calling myself that name by that time so like for me having a character where i could go in and be my feminine self and i mean obviously there's the ever present joke of yeah yeah a real girl in ff14 sure although in 14 <laughs> that's way more true than it ever was in 11 so at least there's that at least there are a, there's a very healthy female population in 14 but 
in general, I could go on and present feminine and present as how I felt inside and people generally wouldn't question it. Or if they did question it, they generally kept it to themselves. It was very powerful and very therapeutic at a time where there was a lot of dark thoughts in my head otherwise. So, mm. I mean, I always will have to thank FF14 for being a major part of my transition in the early years. That's always been one of my favorite things about MMOs, uh, having had a lot of friends in your position. Uh, because there is that 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 wall where you can form up an image of however you want to, to be and present yourself, uh, it helps you become comfortable with it. It helps you to realize that the people around you, the people that matter, are going to take whatever you give them and they're not going to care if the rest of society thinks it's weird or, or mm. different or whatever. The people that matter are going to be there and be like, okay, this is you. This is, you're my friend. It doesn't matter. And it gives people an interesting helpful place to become comfortable with themselves i think yeah i totally agree thank you for sharing that yeah yes, no thank I mean, you very much it's so true and i think we all have had our journeys one way or another in the mmo space right because it's funny although we are players and we are playing a game there is this component to it just like you pointed out callie that is so much ourselves in the game as well and how we, you know, connect to it and socialize and the parts of ourselves that we may feel safe displaying or putting out there into the world within this like sandbox, this this neutral ground, you know, where you can just kind of play and create and people aren't going to judge you at first appearances or they aren't going to, you know, like it's it's different. It's set apart from yourself, but it also gives you this agency to express the parts of yourself that you want to and well, then yeah. put them out there. And Rook, you also become way closer to the people you experience as your true self in the mm. game, right? Mm. Like you, you'd always hear. I hear it from my parents as as when I was younger. Oh my God, you're you're playing with your friends online. Go, like, where are your friends in real life? Where are the you know there's people that you know in the real world? And it was it takes everything in my power to not say to them they know the real me better than you do. Like, mm. which is hard a hard thing to think towards your mother at the age mm. of twenty five. But it was true. Like the people who knew me as Callie in game knew the actual me way better than anyone in the real world knew me. So it, it's it's yeah. you get almost a disconnect with the people you know in the real world and you forge these incredible friendships. I have people that I knew through Limit Break Radio and through uh, my time in both FF11 and FF14 that I do not know the real name of, but I can say with zero hesitation, I would take a bullet for them. It's yes. like. It's crazy. It's so true. And I mean, even like Zen, Aldino, I mean, you've known each other through like the medium of games for years and years and years. And I totally feel you on that, Callie, um, because yeah, there was most like my entire childhood. I grew up with a single mom who was extremely conservative. I mean, worship minister, extremely conservative in her views. And I never, I was always in conflict with the the messages that she was telling me and the experience that I was having as a person. And as I started to realize that, you know, my sexuality was different, that there were these things that I couldn't identify, I couldn't even put words to, um, I found that online communities and, you know, games like 14 or games or even RP, I did a lot of role play during those years where I was reaching out and connecting to people and being able to, like you said, be an authentic version of myself and explore what that even meant. Right? Because in my actual life, 
I had no real idea what that authentic self was. I had all these other all these other eyes on me that were kind of putting these expectations or these ideas on me and I could not for my for my own person figure out who I was and what I wanted to be within that. And I think that you're right, games can make such an incredible space and when we start bridging that step between what we discover in a game like 14 and then what we bring to our real lives is when we start sort of connecting those truths that we find and finding ways to comfortably express them even in our real world with people around us, right? It gives you yeah. like this place where you could do rapid prototyping of the self, kind of. Like that's kind of what I want to put it. Like it's like I can put this out there, I can see what it's really like, you know, like if I were to present myself like this, you know, of course I am not speaking from experience, but that's just from the outside. Um, and it's just such an amazing thing that who'd have thought MMOs would give us? Like that's that's insane. The number you, of things. Go ahead. Go ahead. When when you say that, it actually, because it's making me realize. So when I was younger, um, I realized I was a lot more like timid. I, I was with my family. I was uh, the energetic, flamboyant self I was. But I remember I would have eyes on me, and it, I was always talked down about like, no, like you you are a man. Um, you do not act this way. And growing up in my school, um, I also felt like because of what I was told at home, I couldn't be that way in school. But then when I would play video games, RPs, and actually do a few MMOs before I figured out about 14, I realized I was being a lot more energetic, a lot more myself. And then when I finally got the confidence around high school, when I became, actually no, like end of high school into college, when I became like the version I am now, I always thought, did I make this up? No, because I curated it and I found myself out from the games and I finally was able to take it from online into everything. Yeah, and it gives you, I feel like when you go into something like an MMO, especially like in your formative years and stuff, it, it introduces you to so many different kinds of people that you may not like. I grew up in South Carolina and the it's not very diverse here. Um, and my family was very liberal, but my mom was always very like, okay, like we love gay people, but there's only gay and straight. And like, you have to figure out what you are and like, that's it. Like bisexual people don't exist, make a choice. And it was like being exposed to other people who like had other opinions. Cause it was either my family or I mean, all the other people were way worse because I mean, yeah, but- Because it, it, South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like the lesser of, of two issues there. So it was, it's always nice, like actually being able to be introduced to other people in more diverse environments through like a game like 14. I think it's, uh, yeah. it's kind of crazy how, what negative stigma people put on MMOs, uh, because of like, like you mentioned earlier, uh, you're not hanging out with real people. I mean, you are, they're not next to you, but they're real people. And, it, it it honestly puts you in a good place, not even just like figuring out who who you are. Sometimes it puts you in a, in a bad place. I will I will add that mm -hmm. you you run into some terrible people on the internet. But being in those situations where you're running into those terrible people also helps you to learn how to deal with them. So if you run into that in real life or again in in the, in the internet somewhere you can handle it better the second time. So it's not, I think it's not just limited to uh, finding self-identity. I think MMOs uh, give you an interesting playground to kind of like what Charles said, put a, 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 a trial version of something out and, and get life experience that way. And it's crazy to me that more people don't realize that. 
I think life yeah. experience is the right way to, of putting it too, because I remember getting into 11 when I was 12, 13. I can't even remember what the age was anymore, but I got into FF11 and I joined my first link shell. And many of the people in that link shell were 19, 20, 21 or older and learning real quick what it meant to be acting like a child around people versus acting like an adult. Like I remember my parents noticing like, oh, you've matured quite a bit since you started playing because yeah, like when you go online and you act like a shithead, they'll call you out <laughs> yeah. for it real quick. So no, I, I think you're completely correct in that. And I mean, when you get it a step further into that, as uh, we were just hearing about, you're, you discover so much, not only for, I learned much about my gender, but also about sexuality. Like the number of things that you can learn in FF14 about your sexuality, if you're willing to go down the rabbit hole and the rabbit hole goes deep in FF14, real deep, but you can learn a ton about yourself. My college years, I, uh, I spent a lot of time <laughs> working in a brothel in 14 in my college years <laughs> and because of that and because i was usually pretty limitless about it i've got a pretty healthy understanding of my sexuality today i know what i like and what i don't like and like a lot of people just go through their 20s without getting that experience and now they're getting into their 30s they have their partner they've maybe already gotten married to someone who doesn't understand them sexually because they don't understand themselves sexually so there's a lot of healthiness that comes Man, out of MMOs. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. There, there, and it's definitely a trend of society. But there are sixty-year-old, seventy-year-old people who don't understand themselves sexually, hundred percent. Yep. And and MMOs have given people this outlet that people have never had before. And it, yeah. society has traditionally tried to suppress people's sexuality, which I think is yes. terrible, absolutely awful. Um, understanding yourself sexually uh oh everybody's like oh no so so risque no it it helps you it's another aspect another facet of your personality and it, it helps you become comfortable with who you are regardless of what you discover that sexuality is yeah i totally agree sorry it's go ahead the same, uh, same thing we see in all kind of walks of life you know in the 50s and in the 60s at the end of the day if people disagreed with you politically or in in terms of taste you were just kind of stuck. You lived in your hometown. Like you, there was only so many people to choose from to hang out with so many people your own age. We live in an era of infinite redundancy and infinite connections that we can make with other people. If I have something that I enjoy doing, I can find a section of people who also enjoy doing that thing and can join me. We as a people are just way more aware of what we enjoy because we're willing to explore it. And because somewhere out there, there's a safety net that will allow you to experience it and enjoy it. And by the way, people out there who don't believe in representation, that is one of the things that we are referring to when we say representation matters. It is important that you can experience who you are in a safe and good way so that you can experience that and, and be have a healthy relationship with it as you get older and not become a serial killer because you're a repressed <laughs> gay person inside. <laughs> yeah, uh, and honestly, Callie, it's like you've been on a podcast before. Oh, yeah. This is a great transition into our first topic here. Really excellently handled there. Uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm dominating the microphone. Oh my oh, no. gosh, you're fine. Look, everybody here has a place to speak. We want to hear everyone. So this is this is exactly the time for it. This is why podcasts exist. This is why we share. Um, and you bring up a perfect point, which is that 
when we get into these issues, and especially in the gaming community, we hear more and more this discussion about representation in games. And it's like a hot phrase that people will immediately have a different reaction to, whether that's, I don't want to have representation forced down my throat, I don't want to, you know, or I need more representation. It's this idea that is definitely prevalent and that is being discussed. And just like you said, um, obviously, as somebody who is LGBTQIA plus myself, um, I'm on the side of, yes, we need this representation. We need to be able to see these things because just as you said, we learn through seeing. We come to accept ourselves by connecting to other people that have taken that journey as well. We know and understand and even have our minds opened if we are not in a certain community or group because we can relate and we can start to make these connections with people, characters, games that become important foundations in how we understand ourselves and how we understand others. So, 14. Final Fantasy 14 and its representation. Um, we I did a bit of a search on this, and we're going to go through the ones that I could find here. Because they do exist, and there is LGBTQIA plus representation in this game. But as we kind of work through this, we'll have a lot of things we're going to be discussing and, you know, sort of talking about. And when it does come down to it, most of the ones that I could find are side NPCs. So with the exception of one notable friend who has been modified from the Japanese dialogue, which was much more LGBTQIA than the English version that we got. So the first one here, and the one that I think comes to most people's minds, and I'm curious, did any of you, do you know the Wanderer's Palace NPC couple? Was anybody aware of them before this? Reading? No. Go ahead. I think when I did it, because I, I started playing the game a lot more recently. I started playing April of last year. Um, so I did it like maybe a few months ago. I feel like I remember had inclinations, but I can't remember off the top of my head because I know it's been at least like six months. Yeah, mm -hmm. same. Yeah. And, yep. and it's yep. been way longer than six months for me on that <laughs> one too. So well, this, like, this that was vaguely like, familiar. I don't blame any of you. I remembered them because I was delighted by them, but I don't blame anyone because, and this will be something that becomes a real point with this. It's a, t it's a little tiny side quest with a little bit of dialogue you may or may not have even clicked on. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, the Wanderer's Palace NPCs in the quest, not easy being green. So this unlocks, uh, I believe the hard mode for Wanderer's Palace. There are two NPCs that you meet in the, in the normal mode. And then you talk to further when you do the hard mode. Um, and they are an interracial gay couple in the game. And they even talk about it in their dialogue. So we have the blundering treasure hunter who says, uh, do you remember us? We was the pair around the entrance to the Wanderer's Palace. Saw you right for that great bleeding Tomberry stabbed us. Yeah, wasn't we stabbed, love? And then he goes on to say, oh, they have good hearts no matter how odd their appearance. None of that should matter anyway. This fellow's Hurin and I'm Mikote. Are we a lesser couple for our difference? I should think not. And, <laughs> and it's funny because when you're sitting there, you're like, this is a huge thing. This is a huge thing they just did in two seconds of a dungeon unlock. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, really. Well, because that's like that's like the baseline because that is normalization. That mm. isn't even like taking like this bold stance. That is just showing that in the world of Eorzea, it is a normal thing. This is something that happens here. With uh, you know, it, you see it all the time. People get mad because like, oh God, don't beat me over the head with it. And it's like, okay, well, sometimes you do need to be beat over the head with it because it's an important point, and the uh, developer is trying to make a point. However, that is a step towards normalization, where they're trying to show that throughout this realm, there are people 
who are interspecies, interrace, and intergender. Uh, uh, yes, 100%. And there's been a lot of discussion about inter interracial Final Fantasy XIV relationships, right? Because in Heavensward, we did get um, a character who is... Uh, mm -hmm. What's her name again? Anybody remember? Half Elizin, half Huron. Oh, oh, um, Hilda. Hel Hilda. Yeah. Hilda. Hilda. Mm. Um, so yeah. the discussion of like how these different races may come together or intermingle. Um, not to mention, yes, what the general tone in Eorzea is as far as acceptance of same-sex couples, or you know, is it even an issue? Because it doesn't always have to be in a fantasy world. Mm. Um, there's a lot of different things that kind of go into this. Uh, but these two little unnamed NPCs that are living their best life taking care of a whole bunch of Tomberry children. And this is like they say that when you finish the quest, too, they're like, we're just going to hang out in these old ruins and I guess have a whole bunch of Tomberries for children. And you're like, okay. It's like being a cat mom, but with Tomberries. <laughs> yes. Well, Less dangerous, dangerous or the same level of danger? <laughs> same level. Sure. Same level, I think. Cats yeah. have more knives on their paws. Knives. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it is kind of interesting because whenever I've been searching through these, this couple is the one that tends to come up. And even when you do a general gay couples in Final Fantasy XIV search, uh, they are one of the only ones that's mentioned on a lot of lists. So this takes us into the next one, and I'm very interested to hear everybody's thoughts as we kind of bridge into this because this is a bigger this is a bigger discussion um Porchefont, in case anyone didn't know or maybe you haven't seen um there are some really great translations out there by Hyanart on tumblr um and zeppla also did a video about this where she took and showcased a lot of these dialogue differences Porchefont in japanese versus Porchefont in english in english he is fairly straightforward you know he obviously has hero worship and he's you know pretty interested in in your character and there's a lot of love for him in japanese he is a randy spicy man <laughs> <laughs> he is a very spicy man and it doesn't matter what your gender is he will just say these things to you um and i want to just run these by everybody and then i want to open up the discussion here to the idea of why do we think maybe he was different in Japanese versus English? Do we think that he should have been portrayed? Because this would have been possibly a main lineup character who's very beloved, who could have canonically had justification for being bisexual, at least within the world. So there's there's some things here that I think we could definitely dig into. For anybody who doesn't know, these are just a few translations that I picked up. This one's from the quest Coming to Terms, patch 2.4, where Horshafont says, oh, I was waiting for you, player name. I had heard you would be attending this meeting, so I impatiently waited for you to arrive. Your body is beautiful as always. Splendid. <laughs> I, I am oh, living wow. for these readings. I'm just so, you know. there's <laughs> that. Thank you. Um, he goes on later in this meeting when we find out that one of his, um, one of his houses, I guess, caravans has been attacked by the heretics. He goes on to describe what was lost in the attack. Ah, oh, clothes suited for hot weather in which adventurers might do heavy lifting while still showing off their bulging muscles. In this area, such revealing clothing is hard to purchase. Oh, how regrettable that it was lost. <laughs> well, this I, mean, boy. I feel like that kind of kind of says it all, doesn't it? Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
it's it's startling and you can find the comparisons online for the english versions of this which really does basically come down to oh yeah we just lost some gear and i'm sitting yeah. there like yeah that's boy was not talking about gear <laughs> so let me ask you about my body like hello yeah <laughs> let me ask you there i want to compare this to mass effect for a moment right mm. so in mass effect for those who don't know you play as commander shepherd and you can play as either a uh, man or a woman and you can romance a great number of people on your ship throughout the game now uh, bioware has a less than spectacular record as uh, that goes over the years however uh, one that stands out for me is Tali Zora, who's a Quarian. She has to live in a suit. That's kind of her thing. Um, in the second game, famously, her voice actor uh, recorded lines for her to have bisexual uh, romance options. She could have gone for either male or uh, femme. So chef. mad. Yep. So mad uh, she could have also. Uh, they, you I'm can actually babe. in bio in um in uh, Mass Effect Two. You can uh, patch it so that you can romance her as uh, femme chef and get those scenes because they are still in the game. They're just typically locked. So, I have always argued that Tali is not actually bisexual, but she is shepherd sexual. No matter who <laughs> Shepard is, she is down to clown mm. with that. So, is Orshafant, is he bisexual or is he warrior of light sexual? Hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I would mean... love to, to see if there are more examples of him interacting with any other, you know, like, characters anywhere. Because I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. While we're... It talking mm -hmm. about him uh i wanted to bring up alize because mm. she she sort of has the same uh warrior of light ooh, whoever you are i don't care but you know baka type deal going on right <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I i haven't looked into it to see if the translated lines are uh hmm. changed like they they are for Orshafant, but i feel like it's a little bit more direct with her where she's like doesn't matter which one you are. Teehee, I like you, but I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's very interesting because um, a lot of people do online kind of reference Rochefont as being player sexual, just mm -hmm. like you said. And also, yes, I will literally never get over the fact that I can't romance Tally. And Same. that is the thing I'll have to carry to my grave. Same. You know what yep. I mean? Hey, listen, the remaster's coming out soon. Maybe if we yell at Bioware loud enough, we can get this. It'd be yep. so good. Um, but I mean, even, I mean, obviously Sophie, like you and I both identify as pansexual, right? Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you, like, how do you define it? Because I know I have my own definition, but I'm curious about how you kind of define it. Since a lot of people do usually have questions about pansexuality. Yeah. I mean, I used to actually identify as bisexual more specifically, but then I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Um, and I don't honestly know if I have like a much more definition than it didn't. It just like putting it into like those two boxes of like the binariness of bisexuality just like didn't feel right to me. Like it felt more sense for it to be all encompassing just like based on who I had been attracted to in the past. And that was kind of how I got there. Yeah. My fiance is pansexual, and she described it to me the best I could I've ever heard it as as attraction regardless of gender. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, and that's I think personally that's how I've identified as well that it's no matter where you are, whether you adhere to binary you know restrictions or not, or even if it's more of like a personality attraction, which has always been something for me. Like I'm more attracted to a person first and foremost, rather than like a gender that might be you know yeah, part of their identity. I've always been like my. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So it's it's interesting. Like 
it could be the kind of thing where, yes, just for a game, you have this idea, I mean, of player sexual, like he is player sexual because he's just into yeah. what you're putting out into the world. Um, but I do think it could be something too, where maybe, yeah, like you could see a little bit of that pansexual kind of energy in that, where he's just like, I'm into this, whatever this is, <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. down, I'm into down for it. His yes, own please. definition I'll of take beauty. two. His, <laughs> defi- exactly. his definition of what, Charles? Oh, he's, you know, he's into his own definition of beauty, whatever that might be, wherever that may Muscles, fall. Muscles, clearly. Whatever that is, that's what he wants. And that's, yeah, okay. I was thinking, going back to why the English version is a lot more like water, well, it's just not there at all. Yeah. Um, I, I know that the English, I, I, I feel that the localization team are pretty smart, especially with like all the puns that they put in. I was thinking maybe because they knew where a uh, horse Trafant was going to go, and they knew that he, we were going to, um, spoiler alerts, uh, lose him mm-hmm. um, and not anger our community as having yet another character who identifies in the LGBTQIA plus community then be offed out and no longer part of the story. I never thought about that. That, that makes a lot I, of sense. Neither had I. And honestly, that's a very interesting point. Um, yes, I have no idea. In my head, I immediately jumped to, oh, well, they just didn't think the Western audiences could take it, or you know what I mean? But Because I feel no. like they, they definitely evolved, because we know that um, the Japanese media in the past, whenever it's come to the, the States, that, that's been like the whole idea, like, oh, no, it's not for it's not for our audience. But we have gone to that point where it's gone so much. And because the localization team thinks so much about culture differences, because the head of it is very versed and because he's American and also he has lived in Japan for so long. And I think he took into consideration our culture when it comes to, you know, our sphere. I mean, Glenn, I think that's a really good point because as much as it would be easy just to say like the localization team didn't think that North American audiences would handle it very well, I mean, North American audiences are generally more accepting of LGBTQ themes than Japanese audiences are. Look no further than, like, what's, what's the last good Yuri anime you saw that wasn't Bloom Into You? Because most of them don't handle the concepts of a lesbian relationship very well. To In, the, in Japanese culture, it's seen as immature. It's seen as something you do when you're young, and then as you grow older, you, you know, straighten up, fly right, and date a man like you're supposed to. So, to see... Like, I'm more willing to believe that the localization team said, hey, North America has a big problem with taking your LGBTQ characters and then killing them. Maybe we ought not do that. Hmm. All I can think of is uh, Sailor Moon. Right. Oh, gosh, yes. The the lesbian couple in Sailor Moon being cousins in America. My cousin. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, my very, my very though, cousin. That was the '90s. Yes, and the 90s that was the next time. point. Yeah, that's the next point I was going to make. I feel like, well, I hope that uh, media th- thinks that people have evolved a little bit beyond that. I yeah. hope that that's how media feels. So I, I don't know. I think, I think you, you have a pretty strong point there with the oh, let's not kill this character mm-hmm. off. That's representing, yeah, yeah. So instead, of, let's just not have one, which I don't know if that's yeah, really not necessarily better. better. And that that was my next question. I mean, do we feel like it would have been more important to have a main character that is like in the forefront of one of these stories that is, like we've mentioned, very beloved by the community, who was 
LGBTQIA+, but who also died? Or do we think mm -hmm. that it would be better? I mean, because this is a very tough issue. And I agree, I'm sick and tired of watching a thing and being like, I would like to see a romance that I can invest in and that I love and that I'm, you know, excited to go along with, but then being like, and they died again. Well, they died again. All right, no, it's yeah. fine. I've dated lots of women. They didn't die. We're fine. Like, <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> like, That's not what happens, you know. That's not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we all Is listen. It... We all saw V for Vendetta. We know how it goes, clearly. <laughs> oh, uh, but for me, I'm always pro-representation. Like, I'd always rather have it than not have it. But it's way less than ideal. Like, right. how about you? How about you pick a character like Alize, who, you know, that that is one that would work. Someone you're not planning on offing in the next patch, and yeah, go with it and kind of stick to it. Someone that's going to stick with us for a while. If we'd have found out way back in 1.0 that Alfie No was gay, and like he's, you know, that'd have been something, right? Like mm -hmm. that'd have been a big stance back then. I don't know that it would have made the most sense for his character since he's kind of just like, man, the crystal is something, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, but you know, a character like that from that era would have made all the difference. Now, as we get all the way into Storm, uh, uh, Stormbringers, uh, Shadowbringers, it's it it feels a little late, but I guess better late than never, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're on the better to have loved and lost train. Uh, yeah. For <laughs> as <laughs> as unideal as it is, I would rather him have been introduced bisexual and then killed off than just they skip it. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Or they could just um, not kill him. Yeah, or that. Or I, how fun would that be? I mean, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Could have been like in the infirmary for the rest of the expansion, and we keep thinking that he's slipping away, and then no, he's alive. Like you know, at the end of Stormblood. Right. Yeah. We just keep visiting him for like flirtations. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you just show up. You're like, hey, buddy, got some hot cocoa? Yeah. All right. Let's go. That's let's actually. Just sit down, let's have a date. That's actually how you restore him. You have to go and flirt with him, and that's how yeah. he becomes better. <laughs> We uh, all the, just missed the side quest, yeah. and that's why he died. We didn't that, realize. That's a timed quest during the actual patch. So if you were not actively playing, you <laughs> yeah, you have to do the you have to go in and do the Manderville pose in front of him and show off your rippling yeah, muscles, yeah, yeah. and that's what saves him. Absolutely. That's we have precedents. We have precedents for for quests that have two different endings now. So could have been done. I mean, yeah, it is kind of interesting too, um, which I didn't necessarily you know, think of initially, but now we kind of have a similar relationship to some degree with the Crystal Exarch. And mm. that could be another, I mean, he might die soon too. We don't know. We don't know until the new patch comes out. <laughs> and I have some worries and I love him and I'm very scared. Right. But I mean, that could be another thing where I think there's maybe some ambiguity, nowhere near in either translation, as far as I know, anything like Horshafon being like, your muscles, I'm into them. But we do have... <laughs> We do have a relationship there that I think feels, you know, like there could be more to explore or that, you know, maybe he would be into you or he'd be player sexual to a degree. Granted, I mean, that's not something that 14 has necessarily ever pushed with a lot of their narratives. This idea of like having an active romance option or stuff like that. Um, but I agree with everybody in that I think having representation that's a little bit more in the forefront would be nice, right? Yes, um, yeah. This brings up a few other points here. So there's a few other NPCs. Um, in the hot springs in Kugane, if nobody's been over there, it's very steamy. It's steamier than you might expect. Um, you're there right now. 
Yeah, I think it's like that way. <laughs> Your green screen. <laughs> um, but we do have some, we have some friends that are hanging out there. So there's an NPC named uh, Kawashige who's at the towel rack, who's averting his gaze from an incredibly Arugan who I thought was butt naked yeah. when I first yeah, looked into <laughs> with that bathing yeah. suit. Yeah. And he says the line, stupid, sexy Rugadin underneath oh, his breath, <laughs> which, which I think really hits home for a lot of people, a lot of LGBTQIA plus players, but also just, I mean, it's, it's interesting. And he's not the only one. There is also another Midlander who's giving a back massage to a male Rugadin in the hot springs, who just makes the offhand comment, my, what broad shoulders you have. As they're sitting in the hot springs. The better to resurrect hearts front with. The better to resurrect hearts. <laughs> it's a ritual. Goodness. Boom. So, so, like, there are these little tidbits, and I think, like you brought up earlier, Callie, and this is something that we have as a little talking point later. But um, the idea of there just being a normality or normalcy to some of these interactions, I don't think is without merit. But again, kind of like we posed at the beginning, how many people? know of any of these without well, you know searching. that's the biggest issue is is while it is meant to be a normalization of it since there are no none of those overt knock you over the head examples of it it doesn't seem like a normalization of it It does feel like you just had to dig way down to find that big bold moral stance that square enix likes to pretend mm -hmm. that they're taking sometimes when they're really not like you have thousands upon thousands of NPCs in this game and to have a few somewhat throwaway lines that indicate maybe a hint of bisexuality or being gay is not like the bold stance that I think they worry that it is sometimes like it's it's it is it should be there it should be accompanying more broad gestures to recognize you know uh ver various lifestyles I hate to call it this but uh they're forgettable. They're yeah. absolutely yeah. forgettable. And I mean, even as hence even, by the group of LGBTQIA people who forgot half of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. And I mean, like I said, so the how do yeah. yeah we don't even realize. Um, and the the Mikote that I even referenced earlier um, is just an NPC named Oratalo that you can find in the Forbidden Springs if you do the level thirty one quest. The eyes have it, and if you complete that entire quest, she has a little line at the end because you're chasing away like peeping toms. There are these guys that are like creeping on them. Um, and if you chase them away at the very end, she says, oh, I suppose I wouldn't mind if you still a peek every now and then. Bet you didn't mm -hmm. think my tastes ran that way, huh? And you're like, oh, cool. But you're right. Like I had to search for 40 minutes just to find what her name was. And I typed in every variation of lady who's into me. <laughs> Lady who's into me in Final Fantasy XIV, and that did not turn up good things. Let me just no, tell you. you, you, you type lesbian Miko FF14, and you're like, oh, oh wait, no. that's not what I was looking for. Oh, <laughs> not what I was looking for. I, I think it's real bold of them, by the way, suggest that we didn't think that she was into women. I've been thinking right. that about them since they were called Mithra and Eleven, so I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough because if you don't catch these things, how do you even know that they exist? And is it really then, yes, standing on the side of something, which you don't always have to do aggressively, but you mm -hmm. know, it it is almost tough. And I think more so now than ever, we have these questions of when is support and when is visibility 
truly supportive and visible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I like the idea of normalcy, but it needs to be in the forefront where we see main characters, you know, in this action and the other characters just not like, just be like, okay, cool. Because yeah. the big thing is that when people say, I don't want to be hit upside the head with it, it's like, well, I'm sorry, your culture, we're hit upside the head all the time. I know exactly the story of Chris and Samantha, but I don't know about Chris and Timothy or Samantha and Mary. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't see it. I have to find and, and, and look for that myself. I need to search because I see your culture all the time. Yeah, I mean, and, and Sophie, let me know if you agree with this, but I mean, to me... If you look around, uh, if you have to look for the representation, it's not exactly representation. Like, having the token black character in the horror movie is not representation to me. That, to me, like, when when you have a character who is there for the purpose of them being there, that is not representation. That is pandering, in my opinion. No, it's 100% true. And I don't even necessarily think that these examples even, like, fulfill the token, like, category. No, no. This isn't even, even like, a token game there. character. It's, like, below that. So, yeah. it's, yeah. Representation yeah. Is, a, is, a, is a topic that I, I often think about. Once again, I can have empathy. These are parallel but allied kind of topics you know it it, that's just the way that i want to say it you know black representation and any representation of any underrepresented section of society it's kind of parallel and it's you want to see them do the effort right and you know someone's going to say oh it's in my face because they're just not used to seeing it anyway yeah it's in your face because you never saw it before sorry not sorry you know like (laughs) that's just the way that it goes you're gonna have to look at it but I do agree. It has to be written well. It has to be, you know, just there. I, it's not even, it's not special because, hey, every it's normal, you know? Like, it's not weird to see, oh, there's a black character in the Final Fantasy. That's, yeah. That's not, that, why is that weird, you know? Right. Why would it be weird to have a gay, pansexual, trans, you know, anything? Why? Why would it be? It shouldn't be. And it that sucks because... Be yeah. <laughs> It sucks because the people who um, fit into the majority will feel a certain type of way. But for us, if we see that there's actually care, even if there are mistakes, if we know that there's care, it goes leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And the same thing about just like uh, representation, other like sectors of minorities. For me, Gaia is a Latina queen. I just, mm. that is my canon Agreed. and I will uh, stick to that. So that's who I have. Yeah, it's it can mean so much. And I think even more so when we're looking at the discussion that we even had earlier about this, right? MMOs in particular being an environment where so many people of so many different backgrounds, places, orientations. Um, I mean, it, it's just races, communities. Like, it's it's crazy because we all can meet in this space. And I think that more so than almost any, I mean, any genre, having things in an MMO that your player base can then, you know, express themselves with and connect to, and they can have their own personal journey with that. And knowing, I mean, even just how much of a difference these communities have made to a lot of us in accepting parts of ourselves, or, you know, even as we grew up, like everybody was talking about, like, there were these things about myself, whether it was just that you felt like your interests as a person were not necessarily supported by the friends, people, family you had around you, or it was that you were struggling with this alienation of, I think I might 
be attracted to the same sex and uh, mm, I don't know how to do that. So <laughs> it can go cream. even a step further if yeah. you're if you're trans or, or struggling with a gender identity issue. I shared this story on my uh, Twitter at the beginning of the month, but I, I want to share it here, too, because I think it makes sense for this particular conversation. Uh, representation is so important. When I grew up in my mid teens, you know, as late as 16 or 17, I did not understand what a transgender person was. I did not understand that that was a thing. I did not know that was a thing that existed in this world. And since I had no concept of it, how could I possibly consider that maybe that's why when I look in the mirror, I see a stranger every time. All I could say to my parents was, I don't know. I look in the mirror and I hate what I see and I don't recognize what I see. And they, to be fair, quite reasonably responded, of course, you're a teenage boy going through puberty. No one likes what they see. But that, of course, that wasn't it. And I think, you know, if a show like Steven Universe existed when I was 13, would I have come out at 14 and begun transitioning then rather than at 30? Like, mm -hmm. that could have been all the difference for me. And all anyone else has to tolerate is there's a fact uh, is the fact that there's a show out there that talks about gender and talks about it in a very real way. If I had seen a character like Stevani, who is gender fluid, I would like that would have made all the difference to me in a young, in my young childhood and let me know, oh, there's more out there than just you're a boy or you're a girl deal with it and move on. Like representation matters so much. And I know that there is what you would technically call a trans character in FF14. I, at least they play on some of the same themes, if I recall. I remember seeing them when I was doing the Stormblood uh, campaign. I can't think what their name was off the top of my head. Oh, um, the Dotharo girl. Mm -hmm. The whole, uh, uh, like, the oh, whole thing was oh, the, that. Is this the trend? Yes. Yes, yeah, the reborn after death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's actually There's our next topic. So oh, perfect. okay. Sorry. My bad. <laughs> you did it's it like again. You've done a podcast before. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. You've done a podcast yeah. before. Yeah, the um, Dothoral. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Please, if you want to finish your statement, otherwise, I can, I have the quotes here, too, that we can reference if we yeah. want to add them in. I would just finish saying, yeah, like, you know, a show like Steven Universe or any kind of representation would have made all the difference to me in my more transformative years. Instead, I continued worrying that I just apparently didn't like the way I looked because I was going through puberty. I got to college and saw a therapist for the first time. And that therapist told me, you're struggling to adapt to college life. You'll get over it. It's a phase. Spoilers. That didn't happen. Instead, I got suicidal for a couple of years. That's what happened instead. Until finally... Finally, one of my friends, who I'm not going to name here, but uh, you know who you are if you're listening, uh, told me pretty much point blank to my face, if you don't go see a therapist again, I will show these chat logs to your parents because I don't know what you're going to do to yourself and I will never forgive myself if it's something terrible. And so on that blackmail, I went and saw a therapist again and they happened to be someone whose daughter was trans and it changed my life and saved my life. That is the important importance of representation instead of having to go through and get lucky that one of my friends had the courage to basically blackmail me to go see a therapist, I might have just found out from watching a cartoon show. That would have been much healthier. And there's way too many trans people out there who never, ever get that chance. And unfortunately, today, we remember them as horrific statistics. So It's so true. And uh, one of the organizations that we are supporting this month and again we'll talk about later is the trevor project which deals almost exclusively with trying to reach out and connect with 
um, LGBTQIA plus youth that, like you said, feel complete and absolute isolation. They feel alone. They feel like they don't have the tools for these. And although I obviously can't speak, I, I can't speak to the the struggles with like a trans you know going through um discovering trans identity and and even um to some degree a little bit of gender fluidity but um you know for the most part considering myself yeah comfortably you know all right with my assigned gender like that's that's a thing um but it's it doesn't even matter like which you know where you fall on the thing that makes you feel alone or apart from people and you're right, being able to see no matter who you are, what you're struggling with, and even more so if it's these things that society will not educate you on and that they're so tight-lipped about and that there's all this judgment and persecution that's affiliated with it, it, it becomes something that is so crucial. It's so crucial to be able to see those figures and to go, I am not, like, I am not ruined. I am not broken. I, oh my gosh, it's just that I didn't know what or who I was. And I, you know, I had a somewhat, again, sort of like you were saying, Aldo, you know, a parallel kind of, you know, (laughs) I can, I can, you know, sort of, you know, feel some of that because, um, I mean, yeah, like I had mentioned growing up in like a very conservative home, I just didn't understand why I liked looking at women. And that sounds very weird, right? Right. Like that sounds weird. But I remember that there was an artist that um, I really loved the art that they did. And I... I would just look at pictures of them. And I was like, wow, I'm just, I really like, I just think they're really cool. They're just very cool. They're and I'll so bet you, cool though. <laughs> I'll bet you can vividly remember the first time you went, wait, hold up. You can date a girl? Hey yes. now, that's a game then, changer. Wait a minute. Exactly. And it's like these weird things click inside of you. It's like this thing that you were just, you know, you're sitting there like a complete doofus just tearing yourself apart over something that you just don't have the language for. And then it clicks. And sometimes the thing that clicks it is stuff like this. It's representation. It's that one moment where you see somebody who shares some portion of your struggle and you go, oh, dang, I didn't think she was cool. I wanted to kiss her. It's 2020 and later this year, we're going to have, uh, hopefully later this year, fingers crossed, Don't Not Entertainment, who did Life is Strange, which, if you have not played it, is one of the greatest stories of love and friendship ever told. You absolutely need to. Uh, later this year, they're going to be releasing Tell Me Why, which will feature the first trans main character by a, in a game from a major studio. And, like, it's 2020, and we're getting our first one. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm beyond excited for this character and i'm already bracing myself for the <laughs> Ugh, quit forcing your politics down my throat uh keep your keep your politics out of my games but like the truth of the matter is and i've been saying this for the last two weeks is that there is no form of art that isn't a political stance because spoiler alert silence is a political stance and when you continue to make games and you never explore a character of a differing gender or sexuality, you are taking a political stance against that, whether you like it or not. Media yeah, art. Go ahead. <gasps> I think we we're going to say the exact same things then. You go ahead. All right. I was just going to say, uh, media has a huge responsibility to society as a whole. Uh, at, at least the way I think about it, it's sort of twofold. It's to make, like everybody has been saying, it's to make people who do feel different realize that they aren't different. They're not weird. The things that you're feeling are totally fine and acceptable. 
and also to educate the people who think that those things are weird to show them, look, here's a person that is beyond what you consider the norm and they're not weird. You're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's all I was yeah. going to say. Listen, we've, we've been hearing this lesson since Undertale. Please mm-hmm. be good. That's yeah. all there is to it. <laughs> so this, we're kind of tying back a little bit again. So, so tying to what you were saying. Um, when we look at LGBTQIA plus representation in 14, we do have these NPCs that I would say demonstrate that they have some attraction to the same sex. When it comes to things like trans representation in 14, like you were saying, it's much more scarce. And really the, the thing, the one that we have is uh, exactly what you brought up. And I'm glad that that even stayed with you because I like remembered but again, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the full impact of what this little lore that comes from the Dotharal tribe, um, the full impact that that even had didn't really register to me until I went, oh yeah, let's look at this through the lens of LGBTQIA plus representation in 14. So the Dotharal tribe, for anybody who doesn't know, you have to do um, a main story quest that takes you through there. It obviously kind of introduces you to the character Sadu, who plays a pretty big part alongside Magni in the story of the step. The whole idea of the Dotharal tribe is that they believe they are reincarnated, and it seems provable that they are reincarnated. So whatever whatever happens with that or what makes them special, I'm not totally sure, but they are exploring through the quests what those reincarnations mean for their people and the fact that their people can be reincarnated in different bodies, genders, or identities over multiple iterations of their death and life cycles. Um, so we could consider this gender fluid representation. We could, you know, there's a lot of things that could go into this, right? Um, where we get most of this information, though, is from an NPC named Coco in the level 66 Stormblood quest, The Undying Ones. And Coco says, um, hmm, Coco sounds to your ear the name of a woman. Well, of course, that would be because it is. I died a woman and was reborn a man. It is of no moment. The soul is the soul and the flesh the flesh. Oh, perhaps you scoff. Many would. Many look only to the name in the flesh and let these things dictate their perceptions. Consider Sadu Natun. Three times she died a man, yet she returns as a woman the fourth. Yet she is no let, uh, no less fierce. So this is really like where we get basically everything about the tribe as far as this gender sort of question goes. Um, I'd like, to, I mean, everybody else, please. I'm sure there's some thoughts, but I mean, it's def- I would definitely say that this is an example of a more interesting view of gender within a fantasy world, for sure. Um, but I mean, do we think that again, like, is there something more here that we could, could have been explored or, you know, does it seem like if this is really the only example that we're seeing of this in the game, that that's, that's enough to sort of dig into. I don't know. For me, it's interesting because I, it's so nice on the one hand to hear this concept of like, I don't care if you're a man or a woman. You know, I don't care what you look like. It doesn't like that doesn't matter. It's the, you know, the soul is the soul. The flesh is the flesh. At the same time, because of the nature of their tribe, where these people do reincarnate, like they say, Sadhu uh, three times in a row was a man now born a woman. She's still incredibly fierce. Gender means so little to them that it doesn't exactly represent any kind of the struggle that a trans person feels. Right. Because the like were we to exist in a society where gender literally didn't mean anything, 
well, being trans wouldn't mean anything. It wouldn't there, there would be no struggle to that, which in many ways would just be amazing. But because we don't live in that society, because we live in a society that does make it very difficult to be trans, this does not exactly capture that struggle in any way, if that makes yeah. sense. I think from my perspective, at best, it kind of hints at like gender fluidity in a sense. But then at worst, it's saying like, she was reborn a woman, but she's still like her personality mm -hmm. is that of a man. Like, don't worry about right. it. No, like it. it mm. When I first saw this, I remember I actually uh, was streaming and I, I had at, at the moment, I had a very like positive uh, reaction because just like Callie said, it was interesting. Yeah. Now, and not what you were expecting in the middle of Stormblood. By <laughs> the definitely way. not. No. Um, but when I think about it more, and I don't know much about uh, this section of LGBTQIA+, but I know this is definitely something that uh, more Canadians would know, if this maybe touched on Two-Spirit. Mm. I don't know much about Two-Spirit. I, I don't know the intricacies. I don't know if it's about inhabiting both, maybe having the body of a man, the mind of, uh, the mind of a woman, or that sort of thing. Um, but maybe they try to touch on that. If not, because again, I, I don't know anything about it maybe they try to create their own thing in their own fantasy world that wasn't supposed to like be Directly something really? similar to our exactly yeah mm. yeah no i mean i think that's a good point in that with a lot of this discussion our mind will kind of automatically go to certain labels or boxes that we have or we're very familiar with or that we know but there easily could have been yes a totally different inspiration source on this and the idea that in a fantasy world at all i mean it is fantasy right so the limitations of what you're doing within that doesn't have to be constrained by our own struggles all the time, if that makes right. sense. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. like, playing with the idea, just like you were saying, of, like, a fantasy world where there's maybe doesn't even matter. Everybody's gender is all over the place and it doesn't exist and you can just be whatever. Like, that's not something that, you know, I would ever not want to see in a fantasy because, yes, like, if we're going to have dragons, why not examine the other possibilities of magic or, you know, all these different things that could change how we're viewing the world? Um, but I do absolutely agree, Spofi, with what you said, <laughs> because you're right. Like, there is still this kind of weird thing where it's like, gender doesn't matter, but... Yeah, like the side comment. Right. Yeah. Well, and, I, and the problem yeah. is too that the back end of this is the people who then go, there's your representation. Are you happy now? And it's like, well, mm -hmm. that's, no, that's because that's not quite it, is it? Yeah, it would be very different if like Sadu as a character stood in front of us and said, yes, I was born into a man's body three times, but on my fourth incarnation, like I realized, like I had this journey and I am the person I was supposed to be or like, or some, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, At least that would be a better allegory for the struggle, right? Yes, mm -hmm. as opposed to it being sort of this thing. And like you said, Sophie, yes, as as a female player going through it, there are these weird moments where, um, I think even in fantasy worlds, the idea of having extremely sexist societies is again always so prevalent. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. could we have like one fantasy world where everybody's gay and it's matriarchy and everyone's? I don't. Mean. Just of just like well, there's this the one very off oh. clan, right? <laughs> oh, you got it. I think the the night Makotes are matriarchy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Oh, yeah, are, yeah. yeah. The, the keepers of the moon. All of mm -hmm. our original city state leaders are women. Also yeah. true, which is awesome in fourteen. That is true. Yes, yes. This is very off topic. This is a whole another game, but um, there is this. <laughs> There is this one game company that created their own uh, MOBA during the whole like Dota 2 League of Legends craze, and they were published by EA. 
spoiler alert, they no longer exist. Um, but what they would do is in their uh, mobile world, every three days out of a week, they would add in a new comic uh, panel to their story. And th this was going on for like months. And the way they had it was everything was matriarchal. So instead of, uh, even instead of saying kingdoms, they were in queendoms. Mm. And that was, I, I, and I loved the story because you clearly saw that. I think except for like maybe a few like Northern um, Arctic tribes, most things were run by women. And then, you know, a asked it cause it didn't give them money, but there's <laughs> yeah, that. there's that. We almost Slay queen, that. slay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's interesting because I do think that 14, and this is a totally different discussion, right? But I do think that 14 does have a lot of good female representation. But this is kind of like a weird little a weird little thing because there, it does have that little thing where it's like, yeah, she was a man and now she's a woman. and But you know what? She's not less fierce because she's a woman. And you're like, okay. that's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because weren't we talking about the spirit and flesh not really mattering? <laughs> like... Exactly. Well, that's the thing. Like, because there are societies in the world today where gender really doesn't matter. They're mm -hmm. few and far between. And I mean, I don't know if they uh, how many exist today, but throughout history, there have been uh, you know groups of people where gender really didn't matter all that much. But again, it's what you're trying to compare that to. If you're trying to say that's a good allegory for like, uh, like Glenn, you were saying like the two spirit concept. Yeah, I think it's actually a decent allegory for that. But if you're trying to compare it to a struggle of trans, eh, not mm -hmm. as much gender fluid, not terrible, but not also not quite right. It's 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 like so many things with Square Enix. Sometimes it's it's a step in the right direction, but they definitely kind of bailed on it at the last minute. Yeah, I do. I do really love like all all various two points that I completely agree with. But I do love that. I mean, it does seem like at least with the tribes on the step, we did get very different things between each of the different tribes. Oh, yeah. There are some very interesting kind of, you know, distinctions and separations. And I do agree. I, I do think that this is, as we have said, better than nothing. Like okay. this is still very interesting to encounter as a player and to challenge your ideas of like, how, you know, maybe somebody who isn't quite as open-minded might come to it and go, hmm, interesting. If, I if guess nothing else, it did make my trans mind go, holy hell, when I saw it. So. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I do think that there's something to be said about that. Um, but yeah, does again, does it take it that full step? Who knows? Um, and then there's the tribe that marries horses. So yeah. like- Oh, no, no, how, no, is how really? serious? Yeah, there, yeah. No, there's not well, a tribe where they marry horses. Yeah. Are you messing with me then? No, it's real. Is this a side quest? Uh, I think I read it in the lore book. Yeah, oh, it's, no. I remember seeing it somewhere. They hid to... that away. <laughs> that one, that there's one's a, hidden. There's a the bunch of weird... There's like... Because they, they list all the tribes and what their like thing is, right? And then there's... You... Your thing is that you marry your horses? They, I just, I mean, they don't they don't says, say they they look, do anything weird with them they just, just married. okay they're okay. just married I mean, perhaps they have a not horse wife and or husband also i don't know look, like I maybe guess, like, you're so connected to like your steed that mm -hmm. it's a whole ritual you're yeah. right i shouldn't or, sass because as somebody who very much always loves the like dragon rider you're my soul dragon <laughs> kind of nonsense and fantasy yeah. right <laughs> kind of that sort of thing yeah very similar yeah, i got yeah. two complaints about that uh two, one uh, in a world that you have built so fundamentally on the use of chocobos, why horses? Right. And two, it is in 2020, I still don't have gay marriage in Final Fantasy XI, and you're telling me people are marrying horses in your other game? <laughs> Get on it, Square Enix. Fix FF11. I can't at least... I can't at least address the horses issue, which is that step culture is based 
primarily off of Mongolian culture, in right. which horses do play a large yeah. role. And horses do seem to be native to the steppe, um, whereas we don't yeah. see chocobos. So there, there's that at least, but I do, yes. <laughs> Even the, the domens that show up in uh, Mordona are, are like, what are these birds? This is weird. They smell bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you, um, did anyone else think that when we were doing the quest surrounding the 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 step that we were going to have to build a wall at some point? Did anyone else like how did no. they resist having that joke? Because I really thought they would go for it on that one, they're but I guess stay. I guess they're trying to stay a little apolitical on that one. They're staying a little <laughs> neutral, like a lot of like a lot of things. They're staying. A little <laughs> um, which brings us to something that I think we will feel less neutral about very much. Um, and I'm I am very curious about this because. As with all of these different topics, and obviously we all love Final Fantasy XIV, and as players who have found ways to connect with the game and the community, it's not necessarily to say that any of our critique, as always, says that this game is garbage and should be set on fire and put into a dumpster. Like, it's never that. It's just, it's very interesting to examine the game from these different perspectives. And one of the quests that, even while I played it, and even as I love it, has definitely had a few moments, and maybe some of the only moments in fourteen where I've actually gone... I don't know if they should have done that, would be the Manderville storyline. The two instances within it that Hildebrand cross-dresses, right? So in many, in many different media over the course of history, um, for anyone who might not know, there has been, just like many other offensive performative acts, um, a sense of dressing men up as women to make it funny if that makes sense. And this is not something that is unique to really any one place. There's a lot of different cultural places in the world that have dealt with this, right? The idea a lot of times being that, you know, watching a masculine figure behave in a way that is feminine is somehow unnatural or strange or funny or causes this, you know, oh, that's so weird (laughs) kind of reaction, right? And with the LGBT community and everyone within that, including anything from, you know, gender queer to, I mean, just anything to trans to any, like, there are these questions of the ways that we express our gender that are not jokes. You know what I mean? So yeah. in the Mandarin storyline, we've got two level 50 quest, a case of indecency where Hildebrand dresses up as Hildebella. Um, he dresses up in a wedding outfit to lure a culprit out uh, that's interested in the young woman in question. Uh-huh. And then in the level 70 quest in the Eye of the Hingen, where Hildebrand cross-dresses as a geiko, which is a professional entertainer for banquets, meals, and other occasions, uh, to spy on a suspect. This kind of draws from Japanese culture. Um, obviously, we're set in Kugane at this point in the story. Um, and he does, he does describe it as a plan of surpassing beauty, but kind of the twist of this is that the whole time you think that his young female assistant is the one who will be dressing up as the geiko, and then he reveals himself to be the one who's actually going in. And while he doesn't necessarily behave in a way that is out of line with any other moment of his character, and one of the other characters, Yojimbo, does just openly profess his love of his beauty for him, it does still bring up this question, and this is really what I wanted to pose. Um, Knowing that the Manderville plotlines are often comedic at their core, do we consider this true representation? A joke? An honest character trait or detail that might be inherent to him? Do we think that it's appropriate do we think i mean there's so much that goes into it and i'm curious to hear everyone else's opinions on this 
I'm well, sorry, it's a big one. <laughs> no, it is. Uh, so I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, in, in the 1.0 era, not the, sorry, the 2.0 era, uh, the Hildebrand questline was my favorite thing I think I did in all of 2.0. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the character, the ridiculousness of it, Greg, the, the, the whole nine yards, everything about, uh, everything about it, except one thing about it, which is this. Uh, I grew up watching cartoons and shows where frequently one of the jokes would be that the male main character ends up in a dress or ends up in girls' clothes in some way, and it is the height of embarrassment or and ridiculousness for him. It is, it, and it's not there. You don't see the same things with tomboys necessarily, where you know girls dressing as guy, but for a guy to dress as a girl is seen as the height of being a sissy as being you know emasculating and as the height of embarrassment and and they play it off for humor and that's a very difficult thing to that's a very difficult square to circle when you're trans it is frustrating to see today it still is happening uh again i look at uh steven universe which again handled it so perfectly there is an episode where Steven is uh, trying to get his friend Sandy, uh, Sandy to perform uh, on stage in front of everyone. And he's got this whole pop song she's going to do. And she's got her her makeup and her outfit. And it's wonderful. And she's ready. Except she doesn't actually want to do it. It's, it's just a song she likes to sing in her spare time. So uh, at the last second, she bails and he takes her place. And he goes on stage. And he sings this song in the full makeup, in the full dress, and not a single person in the crowd says anything other than, oh, man, that mystery final act had Steven written all over it. Of course it's him. Mm -hmm. And, like, that was such a powerful commentary on cartoons of the 90s and the jokes that we dealt with growing up. It really was an, a, an incredible thing to experience. So while I look at Hildebrand... And I go, yes, of course it's being played up for a joke. Yes, it's serious. And no, I don't consider it representation. At its best, it's not representation. At its worst, it's pretty damaging. I'd be interested in hearing the opinion on how they handled it in the FF7 remake versus mm. this, because I think that those are pretty vastly different showings of sort of the same thing. Yeah, because as, as we see in the FF7 remake, uh, the whole concept is uh, uh, the the main ca the character's name I cannot think of off the top of my head. Um, what's the guy who runs the the Honey Bee Inn? Oh, Don Corneo. Or no. are you talking about um, um, no. the guy who uh, is on stage with him that you do the dance with? Oh no, why don't I remember it? I know, right? Yeah, yeah. What, an another incredibly memorable gender fluid character. Thank you, Square Enix. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so but the the whole premise Andreas, of that scene. Yeah. Andrea, Thank you, Andrea. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Uh, so, the reason I, I tolerate that scene is because, one, they had to take a very problematic section of the original mm -hmm. FF7 and try to find a way to make it work or deal with the ramifications of just cutting it all together. And what they did was even if Cloud is not the perfect representation of a trans or gender fluid character that I would prefer him have been, it's still a lesson that Andrea is trying to uh, instill in him and into the audience. It is something that he he's not speaking to Cloud in that scene. He is speaking to the audience and trying to tell them gender is a construct. Gender is what you make of it. And you can be beautiful regardless of your gender. And that's why I think Square Enix actually did take a really good stand with that scene. And to try to say there is a message that we can send to the audience without completely butchering it. And I so that scene, I actually 
uh, came away pretty positively with. Whereas the Hildebrand stuff, I was like, ugh, that feels problematic. Yeah. For me, I think um, it's a case of someone who cross-dresses who tells a joke and someone who cross-dresses who is the joke. And one is okay and one is not. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And it would be, a, I think, a vastly different story with Hildebrand. Because, you know, as we look through it, like, I I don't distinctly recall him ever being ashamed of the way he presents himself or, you know, like, that's kind of his person. But it would be very different if it wasn't always set up as a punchline. And mm-hmm. if sometimes we just saw him and he was just doing his thing. You if know, you like, saw him on was... a random quest where he was just dressed as a woman and there's no commentary about it, he just is, I would, at least then you could argue, oh, maybe he's gender fluid. Maybe that actually is just part of the character for him. He has no problem being the being the geiko because for him, he's like, whatever, I'm used to dressing as a woman. It's a regular thing for me. That would yeah. be a very different telling, but that isn't what we got. And it is, it's so interesting because I think so many times we have these stories that like are on this razor's edge where on one side, if it's if there was even one one little twist to it like that, we could suddenly have a much more interesting and much more like, I don't know, just good representation. I mean, if it was the kind of thing where, like you said, and like we were just saying, if he we see him like that, and that's just a part of who he is, and then we get to this point where he's like, oh, he's in like a gentleman's club. No, 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 no. I will use my feminine powers, and I will go, and mm-hmm. I will get the information that we need. Like that would be so good. I would just be like, get it. Go make that man fall in love with you. You know what I mean? Well, and the good news is it's not too late for that. If we, right. in the next Hildebrand storyline, they could always reveal that. And yes, we in the LGBTQ community would know, okay, that's a change you definitely made later on down the line, but at least you right the wrong at some point. Yeah, and I think that um, Spofi, I'm actually really glad you brought up Seven because I was thinking that too in the back of my mind. If we're seeing with some of their other titles that they are acknowledging and or improving the way that they represent these kinds of topics, then it, it could absolutely have a trickle down into something like 14. We could absolutely see something handled better here. I don't know if we will necessarily because he's he is again a lot of times that kind of out there comedic character. But at the very least, if they aren't going to really make it a thing in the future, I would really appreciate if in the next one he doesn't cross dress, <laughs> like, or you know, or like that it does become something that's about his character, but that it's not a punchline, you know, no matter what. Because even there's just there's just a moment where you sit there and you're like, so many people are going to see this as a joke, and that's what it will be, you know, and. Um, I think that there's so much more that we could say with that, especially, you know, with our world just having so much diversity of people and expression than a lot of times media wants to give us. Um, Yeah. The only thread there I can find that maybe pushes uh, for it being positive is that we know that he likes to dress snazzy, right? So maybe, maybe there is that little hop from I'm wearing a suit to I'm wearing a dress. Yeah. I think they could easily make it a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for that to happen. <laughs> I'm actually very happy to hear uh, these perspectives because I haven't finished the Hildebrand quest. I actually just finished that part like a few weeks ago. Okay. And in my, um, basically, uh, while I was doing, I was also like just voice acting, like trying to perform during the entire time. So I, I didn't take the time to really like sink into what was happening. And as a, as a, as a gay man that, 
feels very happy to see uh, highlighted femininity because I want to be that. When I first saw Hildebrand come out in the dress, I was thinking more in terms of, of, of drag and thinking, yes. So that's where I came from and I didn't think about the implications of it being a joke because I also didn't pay attention to people's reactions. I was thinking more of the moment, what he was wearing and how I would feel in that moment. So that that's where I was coming from. But I, I'm glad that I, I looked into it because I know other gay men also don't look beyond that, especially with the with the prevalence of, of drag race and how it's so easy for gay cis man uh, men to just not look into the other parts of the LGBTQI experience and sphere i i want to thank you for broadening broadening my idea of what just happened well and glenn likewise because i mean you're so right Uh, too often people ask hey what's the lgbtq response to that and it's like okay well it's pretty massive and pretty varied that's a a big community There's there's a lot of people with a lot of different things going on and yeah as much as we are all in it together because the world has deemed we are all in it together and we need to be supportive of one another yeah a lot of the times like what happens in the trans community is very different than what the gay community experiences and very different than what the asexual community experiences. I was just doing a piece for the website about uh, the top five LGBTQ games because it was Pride Month and I wanted to talk about some different characters that I really like. And we had uh, just last year with The Outer Worlds, we had Pavardi, who is an asexual mm-hmm. character. And like uh, you talk about another horrifically underrepresented portion of the of the lgbtq community uh and pavardi was a was a pretty good telling of a character like that she dealt with a lot of the things that the asexual community really does struggle with she dealt with you know the anxiety of not being enough for your partner who is sexual you she dealt with the anxiety of having other people look at their relationship as invalid because of there not being a sexual component we live in a world that exists on sex and i mean 14 is no different I've seen the cat girl uniforms. I've seen the maid uniforms. <laughs> like the game is built on sex too. So it is important for to recognize that you can't just have a blanket LGBTQ response. We, you know, we represent obviously in this in this room various facets of the LGBTQ community, but we we cannot be the voice of the LGBTQ community because it goes way beyond just what, you know, the five of us represent. For sure. And This does take us, I think, further on into just the discussion of, we've talked about the characters in the game, right? But there's a huge community that is LGBTQIA+, in Final Fantasy XIV, that expresses itself in a ton of different ways, right? And there's always a diversity of opinions. And like we just saw, and this was so great because, I mean, Glenn, I hadn't even thought about it through the lens of drag. And, And, you know, all the other discussions where we're talking about the history of maybe some of these comedic things, all of those are facets that contribute to representation, right? When we're looking at it, when we're examining it, when we're discussing it. Um, So I'm curious for everybody, how overall have your experiences in game with the community been as an LGBTQIA plus, you know, individual? Or if you are straight and you identify as straight, because we got a couple beautiful fam here, um, you know, how have you felt? Like, do you feel as though you've come in contact with that community at all? Do you feel like it has affected you in any way? Okay, okay, I'll go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, like, uh, I mean, I talked a little bit about it earlier, right? And the, the FF14 community really did allow me to experience much of my sexuality and much of my gender in a way that I couldn't outside of it. Uh, it I, I mentioned it earlier, but I, I'll say it again. Uh, you know, erotic role play is a big part of 
the roleplay community in FF14, and it was one that I was, you know, very active in throughout my college years, especially. Uh, and you talk about finding a way to have some acceptance of who you are, not just for yourself, but for other people, from other people. You know, there is, ironically, and as, as weird as it is to say out loud, there are a few things in this world more validating than meeting someone who legit has the same kink as you. Like, it is a powerful experience when you can, like, legitimately meet someone and the same thing gets both of you off. Like, that's a weird thing to say on a podcast in 2020. But it it's true, though. Like, or is it? Or is it? Maybe, <laughs> it you know what? Maybe be. it shouldn't be. Exactly. Because, it's the right yeah. thing, really. Like, yeah. Like, we live in an era where, you know, people have, you know, a FET life or an F list. And I don't want to just, like, conflate the LGBTQ community with kink because it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. But the open acceptance of who you are and what your gender is and what your sexuality is does frequently lead to a lot more experimentation than you get if you close yourself off from a lot of that. So there is some overlap. It's not a one-to-one -one thing. But... I have met so many people who have become so much more comfortable with themselves through FF14 and through this wonderful community that does exist in this game. When I left Limit Break Radio and we left to go do Checkpoint and start doing what we were doing now, I wasn't sad to leave Final Fantasy XIV. I was sad to leave the people I knew there and sad to leave that community because it is one of the greatest communities in the whole world. They're unbelievable people, especially the LGBTQ community in there. They're absolutely incredible. And I know so much more about myself for having known them. And, and I, I, I have to kind of take a step back and thank them for that. I mean, this year has been, I said, I, literally my aunt texted me like 20 minutes before we sat down to do this because I had posted some LGBTQ stuff on, um, on Facebook and she wanted to have that discussion because she's very Catholic. But she was very understanding uh, to be fair. And we, had, we actually had a very good discussion and I told her in that discussion that in the last four months of my life, I have been happier and more true to myself than in the prior 30 years combined. And that all stems out of my time in the FF14 community, which is pretty incredible. The new aesthetic is I am who I am. And if you don't like it, go to hell. Like, that's a cool aesthetic to give, get to live your life by. And I feel out there for all our, our brothers and sisters and fellow people who are in the closet still because their situation doesn't allow them to come out of it. And I just, you know, I think the message to those people is you'll come out when it's time for you to come out and we're all, we all can't wait to say hello. Like, it's going to be amazing when you get here. Be safe, but when you get here, it's going to be a good time. You can make me cry. Right? <laughs> uh, I almost said at the very beginning of the episode, like, you're talking and you're making me mess up here. I'm going to cry at some point during this episode. Ugh. Um, yes, everything that you said. Uh, <laughs> I, hmm, I, I think I'll, I'll echo you and then I'm going to actually tell a negative, but then positive story. Uh, uh, I am part of a link shell that is uh, majority LBGTQ plus, right? Um, and sometimes, uh, I will see an echo chamber, especially of younger members, who are like, straight people are terrible, hetero people don't know what they're talking about. And that's sad because it's just the flip side of what they've had to deal with. And I understand where that frustration comes from. Absolutely. Right. 
but to to see it is also like no no let's not perpetuate this 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 loop of of hate right but then to i also saw older members of the community come in and be like hold hold on hey wait a second like and then speak to pretty much exactly what what i've been thinking what i just said like we can't we can't keep this going like not not everybody is like that and the the phrase not everybody is terrible right now right but don't don't lump everybody together there are people who are awful like this yes and be wary of them protect yourself but not everybody terrible phrase is like that keep that in mind so it's it was it's it was interesting to 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 see positivity still like engulf that and and change it so then that's so important too because mm-hmm. I, and i remember i was 25 and i had i had come out as uh gender fluid at the time because before i was willing to admit that i was trans i was willing to admit that i was gender fluid because that was a little bit easier and then before that i was willing to admit that i was bigender because that was a little bit easier than that so it was kind of like layers as i got Steps. to understand myself more Steps, but yeah. at 25 I was out for the first time. I had come out on stream while playing FF11. What a wonderful night that was that I'll never forget as long as I live. And so I'm really riding high on it. I'm starting to tell my friends for the first time. I'm starting to, you know, experiment with wearing girls' clothes. And unfortunately, with that high comes being stupid sometimes. And I made the mistake of going to a bar one night by myself, dressed femme with makeup on. And I got attacked in the parking lot on the way to my car. And that fucking sucked and for a long time after that i was not a long time but for a good few months after that my take on it was man fuck straight people fuck cis people i don't that sucks how can you be like that and you know it does take a little bit of time and hurt before you realize wait a minute a lot of the wonderful people i know in this world are cis and are straight it's not that it's fuck homophobes and fuck transphobes Mm -hmm. because there are plenty of them out there and they can make a bad enough name for themselves without affecting those like our allies out there. We need allies, especially right now. I mean, you look around at the protests that are happening everywhere. I was talking to uh, uh, Malik fra- uh, yesterday, uh, and we were talking about it. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, you can be white, cis, het, male. That's totally fine. No one is going to tell you that it's not okay to be those four things. But you have to understand that in this country... You can be murdered with no consequences if you're not all four of those things. And that's the problem. That's what we're fighting against. And at the end of the day, as much as you might want to kind of cloister into your own little community, we're all going to sink or swim together. So, you know, it's kind of a, a point of get on board and you need and find your allies. Uh, I tell people when they ask me if they should come out all the time, listen, it's wonderful to come out, but you're going to find out who your friends are, like it or not. Hmm. So... Be ready for that. It's, yes. Oh my gosh, everything is just making me feel so many emotions. Yes, I mean, um, it's it's wild. Um, when we're all navigating these spaces, and especially when, just as you pointed out, Callie, there, there are real threats, and there are things out there that are scary and that people respond to. And I mean, I remember um, I was... I was dating uh, somebody that we've been together a long time and we, you know, she and I were even thinking about marriage and she had kind of grown up in a college town and she wasn't really aware of the world outside of that. And we went to visit a friend in art school in Georgia and we were passing through Kentucky and she, you know, was like, I really want to hold your hand. I don't want to change anything because we are who we are. And I was like, yes, but we could also get hurt if we are who we are right here, right now. And she was like, no, the world is so much more progressive and 
we we had a truck full of guys just follow us and cut our car off and they were throwing stuff at our car and chase us out of a gas station like these are things you just don't think will happen in our world but they can and do and that's a small you know version of it and when you've lived through these experiences um I'm going to try and like transition it into like my own cur like current journey in Final Fantasy 14. Like you've lived through these experiences where, you know, for so much of my life, I was um, I was with women and there were, you know, several women as I got older and in college that I was like, I'm going to marry them. And I started going to gay protests and, you know, realizing that there were these very real consequences if I could not visit my partner in a hospital and we were married. Or if I couldn't, you know, all these things that you don't think about. I couldn't tell a doctor that she's allergic to X because they won't listen to me as not being a family member. There's all these things, right? And so for games and for Final Fantasy and for all these other, you know, components of my life, there was a space to be who I was. And then I met my now husband and I was like, I have struggled for so many years. I've come out to my mother, which was... a terrible time <laughs> no one would not recommend but i'm glad i did it but you know it was its own journey and we are still on it um i came out to her later again when my husband and i were in a polyamorous triad uh, with one of our friends and we were trying to figure out how polyamory worked in our lives and it was great it just didn't work out for us ultimately you know and then we got together and then we got married and suddenly I found that this connection to the community that had been my refuge was completely different. I was with a man and it felt weird to talk about being with a man, but all the people in my full-time job loved it. They wanted to hear everything about me and the man, but they never wanted to hear anything about me and my girlfriends, but they wanted to hear everything about me and the man. So there was this like weird dissonance where I was going, I'm accepted by this one community, weirdly, in a way I haven't been for most of my life. I am not unloved by the community that I came to know, but there's some weird distance there. And now in 14, I find that I'm actually able to be myself. And I've been getting more and more bold with that. This idea of like, even with RP, I have these amazing RP partners who are all about telling those stories about you know, women loving women and all these things that like, I felt like we're starting to slip away in my identity. And this is kind of a long story, but it has been an incredible gift to find that again. And that's never to say that like, I don't love my partner or I don't love, you know what I mean? But the fact that there are so many more ways for us to live in this world and exist together and to find who we are and to stay connected to who we are, even down the road, when maybe you lose some facet of that identity in some way, is so incredible to me. Um, and I think MMOs facilitate that in a way that other games don't always even. Well, I think it's- so, Sophie, I wanna get your take on that too, because I know the bisexual and, and pansexual, I mean, the LGBTQ community can be actively hostile towards bisexuals and pansexuals who end up in straight relationships. That's, I mean, it is, you feel like you have to justify yourself a lot of the times, and that isn't fair at all. Yeah, I know a number of um, married friends of mine. Like I, I've, I've talked to two or three different people who have expressed their real concern about coming out and being fearful because they, they are in like a straight presenting relationship, or they're they're married to a man, or 
Um, and they don't feel like they're going to be taken seriously. Um, they think people are going to think they're just doing it for attention or something. A lot. I mean, there's all sorts of facets of it. There's the facet of people on one side thinking that it's not real. And then there's also just like by erasure and stuff from people who just don't even think like bisexuality is a thing or that like you should like go on. I mean, that's I already mentioned that's kind of the environment that I grew up in with my with my family. Um, and it can be really hard to like make people understand that. Yeah, I mean, even before you try to explain the concept of being hetero romantic or while being bisexual or something like that, I mean, for me, I I have an added layer of complication by being trans and technically a lesbian, I guess, then because of that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I love dick and I love vagina. I think they're both pretty stellar, (laughs) but I could only date a girl. I'm only romantically attracted to women. So Mm -hmm. like... That's another complicated layer that gets added onto this, and it n- not to defend the uh, the ignorant, but to the people out there who are genuinely confused and don't understand. Like, I don't know when it's appropriate to use they them pronouns. I don't know when it's okay to ask for someone's pronouns and when it's okay not to. I don't know when it's okay to ask a question or be confused. I I, I empathize. I understand, like, because even for us in the LGBTQ community, it can be really hard because it's always updating and it's always we're always getting more aware of who we are and where we're at. And so my my call out there and I've done this on every podcast I've ever talked this subject on my call out there is to the LGBTQ community and saying, I know it can be frustrating to always have to teach, but we really do always have to teach. Like if someone comes to you with genuine questions that are born out of a desire to understand and not out of, you know, a desire to to discriminate, answer their questions because we need allies like that. We need people who are willing to understand and willing to learn and be the people that we need them to be. Like you, we cannot turn those people away. We don't have the luxury. I'm sorry. We Glenn, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Did you want, I was going to ask Glenn if you had if you had an answer to how being in uh, the community and being in Final Fantasy XIV, uh, what the experience has been like for you. I know for me personally, the biggest thing I struggled with growing up was finding like an actual, not even friend group, but just like real friends. For whatever reason, um, the I grew up in like an urban area, um, and I was in like a group in my school where essentially we were essentially the more advanced students but really when it comes to like urban and suburban our advance was normal for most of the people in other types of educational programs so i had the same exact people from like grade four up until like eighth grade freshman year and there was always a disconnect and i know that there was actually an incident where one of them who i thought was a friend of mine he came over, uh, I think we were in seventh grade and I did not delete my browsing history. And uh, he discovered something and he just uh, told me, Glenn, please tell me you're not gay. Please tell me you're not gay. And at that moment I just said, oh, I'm bi. Cause at, at that point he and so many other people that I'd known were, were the people that I, I, I'd only known. And if I'm seeing this reaction, this such visceral reaction to like who I was, I lied. And I realized now that that lie continued until I finally like uh, accepted myself later on at 23. And 
even in college, like there was always this, this weird thing where not having good friends. But ever since joining MMOs, RPGs, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, where people had similar interests, and I can then not not just like be afraid of like, oh, are they gonna leave me or not, and actually like dive into an actual friendship, has been has meant the world for me. And that plus Twitch has been incredible. The last few years have just like skyrocketed socially, um, and. It's it, that that's that, that's my story. Uh, I was gonna say, on the podcast all the time we talk about, if you come across a person in the game who is, quote unquote, playing wrong, uh, doing doing something that they could improve upon, put more gently, uh, you, especially if they have a question, you should be the person who explains to them, well, this is this is how you might want to try and do it. Um, Educate them so that later on, they are a better part of the community. And that is, I think, exactly what you were saying with uh, the LBGT community trying to educate other people. So it's not just that community. That's a, that's a thing you should carry in, in all aspects of your life, I feel. Yeah. Right? Yeah. If, if people genuinely come to you, like you said, and want to know something, want to be better for it, then help them so that they can... Be kind to you and help other people later. Yeah, I think especially if you are in like a moment where you have like the emotional capacity, even if someone is like coming at you, if you're able to like give them a second, like this is very recent, but in my discord, when I mentioned I was going to be on this podcast, um, someone asked me why I put the LGBT tag under my stream, like what? I guess it was indirectly asking me what I identify mm. as, and I told them that I'm pan pansexual. Um, and their response was, is this where I make a punchline about kitchen utensils or something? And I was like, well, no, um, my sexuality is not a punchline. Um, and they ended up being really receptive and they apologized and, you know, it went. But like, I definitely had a moment where I was like, I just want to ban this person. They just said that. But like, I feel like if you at least give someone a chance and like explain and give them a chance to apologize and understand better, it is really helpful. It's it, it's kind of amazing. You know, just like uh, we had to talk about where we ha we had the moment where like, oh, 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 I, I can be another gender. Holy cow. Oh, you know, some people also have the moment of like, oh, wait, that was a really fucked up thing that I just said. Mm. Yeah, oh, yeah. that actually affected someone. You know what? My bad. I'm not going to do that. So I, I have a, an experience of having done that. Again, I was uh, recently out and really feeling myself and really kind of, you know, especially like this was five years ago. But like right now, again, the aesthetic, I am who I am and I don't care what you think. Deal with it. I'm just going to I'm going to be flattening it everywhere. I don't care anymore. So, but five years ago, I was also having a, a kind of a period that was like that, although I was still lying to everyone, but I was still having that period nonetheless. And much like uh, people will frequently try to uh, adopt a term that uh, has been used against them in the past, they, I, I did the same thing with the T word that the trans community does not like. And one of my trans friends had to stop me and be like, slow your roll. That is a fucked up thing to say to a lot of people. They are going to be very upset, no matter how good of intentions you mean to say that with. And I have not said that word one time since. Because sometimes you just need that wake up like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's a no-go zone. My bad. Yeah, and Glenn, I mean, first off, thank you for sharing your story. And thank you, I mean, all of you. It's it's 
beautiful to get to talk about these things and to hear from everyone and to be able to share them in a space and talk about it within our community. Um, but Glenn, like you were saying, that environment, that friendship, right? The people, finding people that share interests with us is something that we just like the rest of this conversation has been touching on. We build brick by brick. You know what I mean? It's a foundation. And all the time I hear people asking about or coming into or experiencing Final Fantasy XIV for the first time. And oftentimes the first things I see are like, wow, people are really nice in this. I went into a zone chat and I didn't get called five slurs mm. back to back. <laughs> I did, you know, like I, I asked a question and somebody answered me and didn't tell me to just go screw myself. I went, you know, and a lot of times there is this big question of like, why are some games so miserable to be in? And why are some so much better? And that's not to say that our community and any community online is without those bad apples or those bad experiences or those, you know, things that will happen because people are people and they will. But if you set a tone, if you create the foundation of understanding, if you normalize a space, kind of like we were talking about, or you have representation in your game that backs that. I mean, amazing example, and I would love to see Final Fantasy do something like this as well. Um, Guild Wars 2. They have uh, two major characters, uh, Kazmir and Marjorie, who are just together and have been together and they kiss in the game. And it's not like it's always constantly a preaching lesson, but when you see them, they refer to each other as partners and they are there and they are present and they are visible and they're major characters. And when you have things like that, that even are enforced in the game and then trickle down to the community and the community builds from the bottom up and answers questions and opens a dialogue and welcomes in and finds ways to connect to people who may not totally understand, but could get there if given the chance, you know, it's something that we all do together because no one person can take that weight on their shoulders 24 seven all the time. And as content creators, I think we deal with a lot of it. And I get asked all the time, Spofi, your story hits so home with me because when I first put the LGBTQIA tag on for Rainbow Arcade, I was like, I don't know why I haven't used this before. I talk about it all the time. I think some part of me was still nervous about it for some reason. And then I put it on and immediately somebody popped in chat and was like, are you doing this because it's like a trend thing? And I was like, no, I'm doing it because I'm super gay. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I am here. I am here. For you just dropping, no, I'm super gay, actually. Like, I I need that in my life. I did just, time. I looked at I was like, have you not heard me? Anytime we get Shiva in 14, I say, step on me. That's not because I'm straight. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many more times I can talk about my ex-girlfriends. Can before we just. Before somebody realizes that I'm not straight. Can... I don't, you know, like. But people do ask those things. And Spofi, you must, I mean, you have dealt with it for years. I mean, do you find as a content creator that something, do you get tired? Do you, you know, make it your personal mission? I mean, um, I know it's been what, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's been a, a year, two years, a couple of years since like you officially came out on social media and things as well. Was that a big thing for you? Um, I mean, I had, I was already being pretty open about that on my stream, I think. Um, it was more so realizing that I hadn't, like, just announced it. Um, and and I think that was kind of around the time that the LGBT um, tag was, was coming out. And I was like, you know, I kind of want people to be aware, like, why I'm using it, what it means to me, etc. Um, and I think the hardest thing is when people come into the stream and ask questions like that, 
trying to like formulate whether it's someone like a troll just like baiting you or if it's someone genuinely asking a question like it's hard (laughs) (laughs) yep yeah it it brings to light something that i just never thought about being from you know my experiences i never really thought about the dichotomy of invisible versus very visible you know like how visible is the difference that you are showing and and how differently people react to it like that's just something that i had never thought about before um but it it makes perfect sense it unfortunately makes perfect sense this Um, also brings into light like again male privilege mm -hmm. because with a man if you are gay and you present as very feminine people don't ask questions and the Mm -hmm. harassment is pointed in a very specific part but as a woman because in our society it is deemed more okay for women to be more um you know affectionate to to one another if they are however they identify then that brings in a lot of the questions and like a lot of like the deep-rooted likeness of pointing out like what exactly are you yeah you know you have to you have to suffer those you know on top of everything else it's it's really i had no idea it's it's just eye-opening really that's always been uh, my sort of personal issue in in this area is people really want to categorize you and i don't know what to call myself right Hmm. so uh Hmm. i can't tell you what i am because i don't know but for me i'm also comfortable with whatever this is so (laughs) i don't care what it is right as long Hmm. as as long as uh, nobody's gonna beat me up in the street or whatever you know i don't right yeah so then it's it's important it's important in sometimes some places to have some title so you can I guess clarify to other people but at the same time it's like is it so th- that's that's my biggest issue it's like I I'm not 100% straight I know this I know this <laughs> from from experiences but um I I just I don't know where I fall and I don't know how important it is to me so I'm just kind of like when people ask I don't know I think it's really a personal thing. I mean, mm. I think you get to determine whether it's yeah. important to place a label on it for yourself. And that's kind of like the beauty of it, you know? Well, yeah, I, th- I think some people out there really take a lot of pleasure in just, I'm me. I don't care really mm. what that means. I'm just me, which is totally fine. And then there's people out there who, you know, wrap themselves in their pride flag. And, you know, it's very much a part of who they are. And some people do that because you know, they're craving a sense of identity or because it's giving them some sort of rock to cling to. Like I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing it right now. Like as much as I love, you know, as as I, you know, I presented as gender fluid for many years, but you know, eventually the truth comes out I'm and I'm trans and I'm so much more comfortable in it. I bought my first pride flag to hang this year and it is currently hanging on like right outside of my front porch. I've got a pan flag and a, and a, trans flag right next to each other for me and my fiance and it is what it is like it, it, it feels good to be able to revel in who i am and who the, and who that personality is but i totally see where zen is where it's you know i don't need a label or a title i'm i'm me and that is enough of a title for me especially there's a lot of us out there where you we all have had that friend where you're just like yeah that's um 
that's Stephanie, all right. She is um, <laughs> Stephanie. That is the word for her. Yeah, and a big part about Pride, or I mean about everything that goes on this time of year, but every year, all all the time, you know, it's it's something that we all live with because it's just the part of being human is acknowledging that sometimes we are questioning. Sometimes our journey is not over. Sometimes we don't know or we don't have to define. Sometimes, I mean, there are so many different things in that. And it's okay to be in that space. There's nothing wrong with it. And I have people all the time say like on stream and things, I don't really know where I fall. Is that bad? And I'm like, does do you feel like that's bad? It does it actively that's upset really what you it and is. make you feel like, bad? If it makes that, you feel bad, it's bad. If yeah. if it doesn't yeah. bother you, then it's fine. And if yeah. you really need a label, if you if you feel you need it for yourself, but none of them seem to fit, the, you know the cue in there is for queer. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's kind of the catch-all. If you're somewhere on this spectrum and you don't know where it is, you can always take that one. Mm -hmm. So then here is kind of like a big summary question for all mm. of us, tying together a lot of these different threads. Do you, wherever you are, whoever you are, feel represented in Final Fantasy XIV? Do you think that the game represents the community's diversity as a whole? And a few things that we didn't touch on that I do just want to drop in here really quick that are just little notes. The fact that we do have same-sex marriage in Final Fantasy XIV, the fact that we do now have some... Um, non-gender locked, anybody can just wear the wedding dress, can wear that, you know, all these different things. There's a lot of little tiny things that are in the game that I think we didn't even touch on outside of the NPCs. But feel free to bring up any of those or more. Um, but that's the main question. Do you feel as though the game right now represents the community's diversity as a whole in any way? And if you have thoughts on how we could continue to expand that in 14, what would be some of the things you'd want to see? I'm gonna cut in line really quick. Because, like I said, I, I, I don't know how I categorize myself. Uh, I almost feel like I don't have the right to chime in sometimes. So, I don't know. I, I disagree no. with that. You definitely okay. have the right to chime in. You have, more, you have an enormous right, because that's mm -hmm. your experience. You know what I mean? Okay. And this is a space that's about that. So, yeah. beautiful, you don't have to worry about it. You bring your experience <laughs> to this table. Ah. I don't know. That's uh, again. That's that's the problem with I don't know. It's because I I haven't necessarily decided for myself. I don't also identify with much, so I don't know that I found a thing. Uh, you know what? I one thing I do really find that I'm proud of is the fact that I'm a woman. So I I love seeing the fact that all of those original city states are run by women. I like seeing the strong women in this game. So that that's yeah. the one little thing I will add. Yeah, no, I, I mean that's representation. That. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Same way. How about everybody else? Uh, I I mean for me no, <laughs> I so yes from the player perspective, no from the Square Enix perspective. Mm -hmm. From the player perspective, I think the LGBTQIA spectrum, everything. There's so much representation because FF14 has garnered itself a reputation for being LGBTQ friendly. Um, you know, I'm on Mateus server, which is about as gay as you can get in, in gaming. Like there's, it, it's, it's, it's up there. So I, I, all around me, there are people who have different experiences and are of a different part of this community that are, you know, open about who they are and sharing and, 
it's incredible like how little you have to pry at someone to get them to share some really personal stuff about themselves. And and I'm I included, I'm the worst open book in the world, as this mm -hmm. podcast may have informed some people. <laughs> if you ask me the tiniest question about myself, I will tell you more than you wanted to know, I promise. Um, but so from the player perspective, absolutely. From the SE perspective, it is what SE is. Uh, it, it, I mean, they have, when you look at their characters across different games, they have what you might call a type. And most of the characters in their games fall into those archetypes. 14 is closer than they've been in most games. And I think if we get four more expansions out of this game, they might get to where I'd like to see them be. But I think, uh, I, I don't think they're there yet, no. Yeah, I feel very neutral about it. Like, do I feel like I get to be myself and represent myself in the game? Yes. Do I feel like I get to celebrate who I am in the game? Absolutely. The story, I think we've kind of gone over. I don't really like see a ton of myself there. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm kind of neutral. I would say the same thing neutral because um, I'm glad that the game fosters the community uh, to be as open as you want. Like I, I'm on the Aether uh, data center and like whenever I, I, I hop to ferry, I see tons of people just dancing with the, the gayest glams ever in Limsa. And I love that. Um, but also like as a gay Latino, um, it's hard to find like my specific representation because it's also a fantasy, fantasy game. There's no Mexico, there's no Puerto Rico, there's no Brazil, there's no Colombia for that to be had. Um, but like I said before, um, at least when it comes to features of what I I connect with, Gaia seems like she could be of Latina descent. Or, or like, but also Latina is also like encompassing. Literally anyone could be Latina. But like mm. um, from my experiences as like a Caribbean Latino, I would see Gaia as Latina, and I, I was very happy when I saw her. It's amazing, too, because uh, you mentioned, uh, I, I got on this train of thought because you mentioned Fairy Server. It's amazing how good the LGBTQ community is at reclaiming words that have mm. at one time been used as a slur against <laughs> us. The fr just, I mean, when I was in middle school, calling someone gay was like the height of comedic insults. Like, that was the height of highbrow comedy. And like, yeah, like we literally in this show five times, I'm like, that's gay AF and I'm all about it. Like we have reclaimed that word. We have reclaimed the word queer. We have reclaimed the term like fairy. Like happily, we use that term now. But there is, of course, one or two terms out there that we're not going to say right now that we have not reclaimed because mm -hmm. they're just too embroiled in hate. However, uh, it, it is amazing to me the power that the LGBTQ community has shown to through things like pride take that adversity that is thrown at us and say, yes, absolutely. I'm going to own that sister. Let's go. Yes. I, it was funny because I've been on Zolera since I started playing the game. And when I first joined it, it was just like this little dinky teeny server. And I think that was just because it seemed like there had been a population boom and then it dipped, but it went way up with Shadowbringers. And then somebody said to me recently, oh yeah, did you know that Zolera is like the new gay hub? And I was like, it is? <laughs> I missed out on that announcement. I gotta get off Mateus. I, I was born on Mateus, but it was such a dinky server back in the day. Like it was so just small. And... Well, right, because everyone went to Balmung first because that was yeah. the role play server. And as such, the de facto gay server. But then right. it got so crowded that everyone went to Mateus. So I guess now I got to move to Solaire. They don't have yeah. to move anymore, though. They just jam them all together. 
We can all go where we want whenever we want. Yeah. I think it's just spreading across all of Crystal DC, which yeah. is honestly like, it's funny because Crystal gets so much sass from so many people for so many mm -hmm. reasons. But I'm like, I RP there. I savage raid there. I do everything there. And yeah. it is one of the friendliest, most creative, most fun, most accepting communities. And I was like, and that is more important to me than being yelled at by people in party chat all day. <laughs> so I would rather- You mean I'd I'm rather... missing out on that? You are. Oh my. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it is funny. And of course, I mean, I think when I was kind of contemplating this question, there was so much acceptance in the game, which is amazing. There are these weird areas though, where I feel like our community is still fixated on stuff. Like Femrus. I just, I want to just glad, I just want to, like Femrus. You play a Femru. I do. Have mm -hmm. you ever gotten any of the comments that I have seen about Femrus? <laughs> no, basically when, the way I play is when I see another Femru, we literally stop and we just like whisper each other. And we're just like, oh my God, you're so beautiful. I love your <laughs> clan. I was like, thanks, I did this. I did that. Your hair looks amazing. I was like, I was thinking about changing to your hair. And it's it's the best thing ever. We just stand there emo and then we're just like cats. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. I can't believe that there's any kind of hate for Femrose because I got to tell you, and, and my fiance is going to murder me for saying this on air. Her and I have a type, uh, if <laughs> whether it be anime or games or whatnot. If we see a girl who we are fairly certain could pick us up over their head and break us in half, yes, please, I'll take two <laughs> because Thank you. like Thank that is my. If I see a Femru in this game, I am all about that. I don't need another Makote my size. I'm happy to be the Makote. Thank you. Give me a Femru. Yes. And I love it, but it is funny that there do sometimes, like we have these weird things that happen. Lalafell hates completely unrelated, oh, but-, yeah. but well, I, and completely I, understandable too. I mean, let's be very calm. No, bad newspaper. <laughs> but I mean, I have occasionally seen those things and the fact that they are some of the least played out of all of the different races. Mm -hmm. And um, it is interesting to me because when we're thinking about like, do we see representation in the game? My type is your type as well. I like all women, I think they're beautiful, but I particularly love women when they are strong and they could pick me up and they could break me in half. Uh, and did you watch Legend of Korra? Because I did, <laughs> and I gotta tell you something. I saw Maybe her my type. and I was like, sign me up. I already <laughs> loved Avatar, so that also helped. But when I close my eyes, I imagine I'm Korra. I imagine I am Cora, and I'm also in love with myself. It's very confusing. Uh, oh, I I'm already like like six foot four, so I'm already living the giant experience. Mm. But I imagine myself as Asami getting picked up by Cora at the end. So uh, there you go. Yes, please. Um, but it is interesting because I think one area that we haven't really touched on that I think that Square Enix could definitely step up some games, some of their game here would be where are more strong, powerful lady races or options in the CC to di diversify how you look or how you present or because we do have some of these races that are more the, oh, you know, I'm trying to the dimorphism between the two genders mm, mm -hmm. is pretty traditional. Not, not all of them because femurs do exist, but it does. I mean, even when they came out with Vera and Hrothgar, I think a lot of this discussion about the two of them not having the opposite gender, although yes, there's much more that goes into that, was that yet again, we had another kind of thing that was like, well, here are the lion men who are big and huge and beefy, and here are the Vera women who are, and it's like, it's just one of those things where personally, I think I'd like to see that. I'd like to see more options. Why can't I be an Aura lady who is powerful and strong? And you know, like, why can't I be these different things? Um, so that's something that came to my mind with this whole discussion. I like that point. I, I'm generally a champion of, of a good mixture of both. I think when we mm -hmm. look through the animal kingdom on planet Earth, 
you see a good amount of sexual dimorphism in some species and a not so much in other species. When you look at dogs, yeah, they might be a little bigger, but they're typically the same. But you look at, you know, any kind of uh, uh, kinds of birds frequently, tons of sexual dimorphism, mm -hmm. right? Any kind of uh, any, uh, reptiles, tons of sexual dimorphism a lot of the time, not always. Uh, so I, I think you, you need to have a mixture. I think there should be some races that have a lot of sexual dimorphism because that's what you would see in the real world. Whereas others, they should probably look like, again, we have here. They should look much like humans do. There's not, our sexual dimorphism comes from gender, which that is, that is the human form of sexual dimorphism. Uh, and of course, genitalia, uh, you think about like, um, uh, uh, again, going back to like a game like mass effect, right? Uh, the Asari, they all look the same that, mm -hmm. you know, they're all pretty much, they don't change very much. They think humans are weird because humans look incredibly different. Like th there is a lot of hate towards humans because we can look so varied and it's a weird kind of thing because the Turians very similar in appearance even between males and uh and females uh krogan same way although they wear the uh, there's not a whole lot of women krogan i think there needs to be a good mix but you know selfishly do i want to see some more buff our ladies yes please <laughs> what's uh what's that race in thanalan southern thanalan in zaharak uh oh, oh. Amalja? yeah, yeah Amalja. They're, they Another are, FF11. Uh, yeah, but mm -hmm. they, they apparently all look the same. Uh, they, yeah. One of them turns to their buddy. They're like, oh, I didn't know you were a girl. Okay. Right. <laughs> there's, yeah. I don't remember which quest it is, but there apparently yeah. there's one that's like that. Um, and I mean, to be fair, I guess technically Lalafell very much yeah. have. Yeah. Like they, they don't really have much dimorphism between them specifically. Eyelashes. That's how yeah. you tell the difference. A I don't trust you mustache thing that's kind of happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's some there's some things there um but i mean that's true but yeah i think that could be an area and there are a lot of games now that are offering gender neutral pronouns as something mm -hmm. that you could choose at the start or that you could use to customize your experience so there's also that um so yeah, has straight um, up go ahead sorry i'm sorry going back to uh the gender dimorphism um didn't didn't the concept art for the female aura have something much different like more uh, monstrous in a mm -hmm. sort of sense, but then they went back to like just the very much basic anime girl anime. where I know a lot of video games when they have like male monster-like characters, when they have the female form, they still look humanoid. Yeah. And oh. they, it's so like stark. Listen, if we ever meet a female of red 13 species, guarantee right. you it's a cat girl. Probably in a school really uniform. Oh, like, no. guaranteed that's oh, what will happen. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it no. is very sad. Even in anime, that happens all the time. You've got this, like, literally, like, a quadrupedal animal creature. And then it's like, oh, and here are the women of our race. And they, like, show up in bikinis, and they're like, hello, I'm a cat girl again. <laughs> and you're yeah. like, Get out of here. I thought we cleared you off. Get out. Every it's, time. It's so frustrating. Uh, the ESO character creator was the one I was going to bring up. It is hard to make a pretty character in, in ESO, let me tell you. But uh, they do have a muscle slider for every race and every right. gender. Uh, and they have, like, where you can make their faces very angular or very round, very, like, masculine, even on the female characters. Uh, and they're, they're consistent, too. The Khajiit, if you're a, if you're a cat person, you, are a, you have a lion face, whether you're a right. man or a woman. And you Glenn, know, oh, I'm sorry, please go ahead. 
Uh, no, it, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's, it has always been weird to me how that is even a thing, be, being a straight male. Like, you don't want to see what else you could be into? Like, yeah, just swim in that deep end. Let me see the aura as a lizard woman. Do I know? I don't know. Let's see. Like, I, I don't understand it. It, it. To me, it's like they're they're butting up against, like, the the feeling of, like, being... I don't know. I don't even want to say it. They, they feel like they want to be more rote fantasy, and rote fantasy has never given us these options. So they go, well, people won't believe it if we put it in there. And that, again, is why representation is so important. If you don't put it in there... People won't believe it because you didn't put it in there. Like, they don't even think that it's an option when they haven't been presented with it. So it's just, I don't understand it. I've never understood it. Just, uh, you, know who is, you know who is the most guilty of this? Mm. Star Wars. Oh, Can definitely. we talk about the difference between male Twi'leks and female Twi'leks? Oh, because the male Twi'leks range all across the spectrum in appearance, whereas mm -hmm. the female Twi'leks are sexy dancer girl. That's it. Thank you. Thanks, George. We appreciate that. That's I know what you were thinking. It, Star Wars is so guilty of that, and I could do an hour on Star Wars alone, so I, I'll shut up now. But <laughs> yeah. uh, it where is are the trend oceans? How you know? <laughs> it is interesting how some of these things, I think, intersect and overlap, right? Um, because while the discussion of having more options for, you know, women or, you know, character, female, char female characters or having gender neutral programs or pronouns or all these different things seem like they are just kind of maybe disconnected it is interesting how so many can come together to connect to like we were saying fostering that environment of inclusivity or acceptance if you have this one big beefy lady race then that race takes the bulk of a mm. whole bunch of comments and and discussion and criticism but it can also become a safe haven for people like glenn was saying and glenn like you mentioned yourself um the fact that while we do have a variety, I think, of cultures that have kind of inspired different parts of Final Fantasy XIV, and I think we saw even more expansion of that with things like Stormblood and, um, you know, so on and so forth, there are still a lot of areas, and particularly with um, POC representation in the game, mm -hmm. that also is kind of like, like, I, yeah. I cannot always speak, like, Aldino, like you were saying, I can't, there are certain things I can't speak to the experience of, but knowing that, you know, yes, I would like representation for LGBTQIA plus in the game is not that big of a step to go, please just give diversity. Like, I just would like to have diversity because people I care about play and we all want to see ourselves in it. And that's important to foster that space. And it was very weird to me in Stormblood when Lise became the savior of Alamigo. Yeah. And I was like, girl, what? <laughs> yeah. Robon's been talking about this since day one. And he... I, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah. Not you know, saying you can't from there, but that's okay. <laughs> like it's it's interesting because you know, I didn't I didn't really say much about representation because on one hand, straight male, cisgender, represented definitely. There's cat girls everywhere. Like you you can't go anywhere without you know, there there are straight men being straight men, you know? Very masculine straight men. Yeah, but black. I mean, how do you? How do you in this fantasy world? Should you? Should you just give racial, you know, like, facial options? I mean, is that good enough? You know, it's it's a... I'm not qualified to answer that, you know? Like, that's just one thing that I, I don't know the answer to. And once again, it's parallel. And it's well, not what we're talking about right now. Uh, but it is there, so... 
when you make a world, there mm-hmm. are always going to be parallels to Earth. Um, right. And essentially, the way people look are indicative of their geographical locations. Mm-hmm. So if there are similar geographical locations in uh, your fantasy world, they can easily represent a group in our world. And right. we can then make the connections as POC. We can right. say, look, this is someone who has a similar background to me that now I can see into myself. Right. Well, and, and, it's, and it's the question that any world creator needs to make at the beginning. Hey, when I make this world, so, okay, let's take 14 for an example, right? So I'm making a world where there are at launch five different races that you can play as. Are those races going to be my allegories for the races we have on Earth? Or are within those five races, will we have representation of the races we have on Earth in them? Because a lot of people, what they'll do, what times we see it, is they take uh, an alien species in a game and they say these, okay, clearly they are meant to represent a certain group of people. Like we can look at the Quarians and go, wow, that is a heavy handed borderline offensive Mm -hmm. portrayal, but they are clearly meant to be representative of someone. So uh, again, did 14 decide that they were going to have their races be indicative of the races of earth? In my opinion, no, I don't Mm -hmm. think that's what they were going for. I don't see enough linking to support that theory. So my take would then be, okay, yes, there should then be black heroes. There should be Asian heroes or what we would, you know, cause like you say, it's based right. on where you live, Latino, like they should have representation because you did not make that connection. And especially too, when we go back to this whole idea, again, like these common themes that even are parallel, right? When we go back to the idea of representation as a whole in a game and particularly in an MMO where your player base is diverse and varied, And they're also looking for the opportunity to see themselves in that game. And that's why, even though we kind of studied them independently, like looking at the story and the NPCs and then looking at the community, those two halves of a whole have to come together in a game. And especially in an MMO where your players, I think there's so much possibility to reach them, connect with them, give them stories that move them, and to do that over years like your lifetime, you know, as opposed to just an RPG where maybe you pick it up and you have an experience, maybe you replay it. In an MMO, because it's an ongoing developing game that has expansions and live servers and it continues to develop, you are taking a journey. You are almost entering into like a long-term relationship with your player base because theoretically you want them to keep playing the game. So when we talk about these discussions of, you know, LGBTQIA plus inclusivity, Other parallel inclusivity also runs alongside that because we all deserve to be represented. We all deserve to be able to express ourselves and connect to themes. And the way you realize that in your world, um, I think like everybody's been pointing out very astutely, there are good parts. There are parts that are maybe frustratingly neutral in Final Fantasy XIV that could definitely have more improvement. There are, I think, good player community resources and good player communities, um, and that's fantastic. But do we always see that, you know, in the story itself or in sort of the setting? Not not 100% at this point. And I think those are good things for them to keep imagining and envisioning for the future, right? Because all we can ever do, any of us, is keep learning, keep working, keep growing, keep improving, keep discovering ourselves, but then also teaching ourselves and equipping ourselves to empathize with other experiences outside of ourselves so that we can continue to grow and we can bring everyone with us and grow together. Um, and I think that 14 has a lot of growing it can do still. And that's mm-hmm. not a bad thing. It's a good thing that there are people in it that care and love and are passionate and that there's a foundation for us to build on. But I do think there's more we can do with it. 
We said this for years on Limit Break Radio. There's nothing wrong with being angry at your game. What you should be afraid of is apathy. Mm-hmm. When people stop caring, that's when you've got a real problem. People can be mad. Mad is something you can work with, but apathy you can never come back from. Hmm. How about anybody else? Is there anything more with the, you know, with this particular topic that you felt like, ah, I really want to bring this up. I really want to hit this or anything that we talked about that you want to talk a little bit further on? No, uh, other than you just, you just said, you know, pull each other up. And it, it made me think of, you know, we were saying parallel lines, you know, like, let's say you take every disadvantaged or underrepresented group and you put them on a line. But the thing that we also have to know is that they're not all at the finish line or anywhere close. And when we see that, and we're one of those other lines, we should pick them up. You know, that's what we have to do. We're like, that's that's what I'm here to say. Literally, there's a lot of bad stuff going on and it's parallel, but there are, you know, there are uh, similarities and we see it. We should pick each other up, period. That's that's all there is to it. Um, that's really it. So as, as we come out of talking about 14, I guess uh, for those listening out there, I was wondering, maybe I could ask everyone here. What is your favorite game with good LGBTQ plus representation? Mm-hmm. What is what is a game you could recommend to our fellow uh, gamers, brothers and sisters out there uh, who are looking for some good representation? Good one. Sims four. What is it? <laughs> Sims. Sims four. Yeah. You can be whoever you want to be. That's true. Do whatever you want to do. Sims four is an outstanding one. I wish I had thought of that when I did my list. Good one. <laughs> Oh my gosh, uh, Ma- this it's tough. Mass Effect was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's not necessarily a game that, I mean, yes, I think it has a particularly, you know, LGBTQIA plus agenda to it or anything, but I have always loved sci-fi and fantasy worlds because of the way that you can expand what we expect from the confines of reality and the relationships therein. And there's more that I wish they had done with it, but I do think there's still a lot of very good stuff in there. Um, otherwise, I think a great one. Uh, mm-hmm. You do have to always recognize with Bioware that their hands are by no means clean. Right. We had the Hanley Abrams issue in Andromeda, where she dead named herself in like the first conversation with her. Right. Rough. We had that. We had Tali being taken out of of uh, Mass Effect Two, which you and I are never going to get over until that injustice is righted. But <laughs> yes, Mass Effect did at the end of the day say, "Listen, you can play Shepard." Uh, you can play them bisexual, you can play them straight, you can play them asexual, and you will get dialogue and special scenes no matter how you choose to play them. So they have to be credited for that. And of course, we did already touch on Life is Strange. So that's, I mean, that's a great one. And I I think they're, even (laughs) if, even if there are parts of Life is Strange where I'm like, "Eh, this part, maybe not, you know, it is a risk and they did something important and they did something that definitely spoke to a lot of experiences that I think the LGBTQ plus community had. And then in two went on to expand that even further with more topics. And I think it's so important to see games like that. So Life is Strange, yeah, one and the uh, prequel before the storm, both touching on uh, uh, same sex themes there. Also needs to be noted that if you, like me, made the right choice at the end of Life is Strange and voted for true love to win out no matter what, damn the consequences, there is a comic out there that you need to read that Emma Vicelli writes 
that picks up that story where it leaves off about a year later with uh, Chloe and Max. And it is heartbreaking and it makes me cry every time I read it. And it's like 14 issues deep and you should go read it. I'm going to read that. It's amazing. It's so good. I got to throw one more in there, by the way. Uh, If you've not played Undertale, I don't know what rock you're living under, (laughs) but let's put it this way. Uh, It has uh, two gay characters in it. It has uh, two either lesbian or bisexual characters in it. It has an agendered character in it, and it has a trans character in it. So uh, that's a real good one because, yeah, there's a a lot of messages of just be good to everyone in that one, and it's great. Right. Uh, Two really good romance sims, Dream Daddy, obviously, and it's free right now on Twitch, so grab that. That's a good one. But um, there's also one that came out a little bit earlier, uh, Hustle Cat. Hustle Cat. Hmm. Which allows be, you, is that what I've been seeing the apps the uh, previous for on my Facebook? I the, don't know, maybe. It's oh, okay. an older one. I, th- I want to say it's 2006. I'm not okay, positive. Okay, then definitely not. But it's I've really enjoyed it. You can have um, any, like you can do gender neutral progr- pronouns. You can do anything else with that. There's a lot of different love interests. Those love interests are very diverse. Um, Same sex relationship. And it has a really fun little plot that's very on par with like a romantic anime or something. It's very it's very cute and well done. Um and by a little indie group that's really, really nice. Um there's also new one that just came out. Uh Maelstrom Radio in the chat, yeah. by the way, it's saying uh, Night in the Woods uh, features a pansexual protagonist, same sex couple, and a non binary deity. So I guess I'm gonna have to play that one. That one <laughs> oh, I like that. I think that game is in the five dollar indie game bundle that goes to the bail project that's on itch.io right now. It has thirty four hundred dollars worth of games in it for five dollars. Right. What? <laughs> Get that <laughs> charity, so yeah. wow. Sophie, wow. thank you. That's I, that's huge. I'm gonna have to pick that up. Anybody else have any other good recs? Anything you've played that you liked? I'm not entirely sure because a lot of games I play are multiplayer and a lot of the companies, when you have those multiplayer games with various characters, it feels like there's an afterthought. Um, you know, uh, Apex Legends, however, does have a, uh, con- uh, a chronically Maori gay character, has mm-hmm. a, nine, a non-binary character, and I believe that's all for now. Um, I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, League of Legends has a uh, canonically gay relationship, and I feel like they they've been teasing for like two years that vi and caitlin are together mm-hmm. but i don't know if they've ever actually confirmed that and overwatch has some canonically gay characters yeah. now too so those are both worth mentioning but you know here's a couple other ones i just thought of randomly guild wars 2 like i said actually has a lot of diversity it also has um that's true uh, a lot of different like racial diversity options in the cc um and major portions of the story take place in different like very nicely different sort of like cultural areas and maps and regions. Um, and then they have, like I said, a lot of different characters that are canonically also LGBTQIA+. And ESO, weirdly enough, has also implemented a lot of NPCs that are just casually in just a just, you know, relationships. Um, I don't know if they've done quite as much with their main characters yet, but there are quite a few of them. And I think there even are some in like the major quests that you encounter. And then Temtem, weirdly enough, doesn't care about age, gender, or sexuality. So if you want like a complete, it's just, sometimes it's a little confusing because you're like, is the person she's talking to her grandmother, but she's calling her her child, but also they're in, what's happening right now? (laughs) But like, they really did something kind of neat with the world there. Um, If you like Pokemon and stuff like that, it might be Mm -hmm. um, a good one too, because they sort of tried to tear down all those walls, which was kind of interesting. I keep hearing that Dragon Age is a really good series, too. Yeah, did we mention Dragon Age? Yeah. 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 Yes. I haven't played those ones, but I've heard, I think it's Inquisition might be the one where 
you can pretty much anyone yeah, you want go you for want, it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think in all of them you can. There's, there's has there's a little bit of an option. Yeah, yeah. one one little bit option. of a problem with Sarah, who yeah. some people love, and I love a lot of traits about her. Mm -hmm. But that's that is a romantic line that I didn't feel like was quite um, as well written or thoughtfully written as the other gay counterpart in that, which was yeah. the romance with Dorian, which was written by a gay man. Um, so it just has a little bit more inflection, whereas Sarah's was written by a straight man, and it's. I'd, I wanted to like it so much, and there were a lot of things that I was like, why did you do it, though, oh, like this? So, there, but Dragon Age as a whole, honestly, I think it even takes it a little bit more of a step beyond than, like, Mass Effect does in some yeah. ways, in that, you know, you can typically romance just about anybody, and those romances, I think, are really beautifully fleshed out, which is nice, too. Except for Varric, Sob. Well, yeah, except for the one we want but can't have. Yeah. yeah. And Cassandra, come on. I want her to hold me in, my, in her strong arms. Yeah. So I, I'm sorry to derail us there. I just had to make sure okay. we got this show to three oh, hours, yeah, both because it's a podcast that I'm on and because I want Fusion to have to edit more. Actually, <laughs> that's my job. Oh, well. Sorry. <laughs> I, guess, uh, I guess this is just yet another awful example of LGBT on LGBT crime. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. So if if we've uh, wrapped up with our outline and all everything there, one last, are we sure? Are we sure? Are we sure? All right, I gotta, we got a slide. Oops, you can all see that. I gotta fix that. <laughs> That's like I was. This has been a week. Uh, I was not my, prepared. Discord Discord hates uh, OBS for me. All right, I do have this slide and I have OBS on this other side. I swear it. I swear it. Oh God, I hope I have it. There you are. <laughs> yes, there it is. Heck yeah. All right. Now, where is my outline? Ha there we go. <laughs> All right. So um, before we finish out today, we wanted to briefly bring up what's been happening in America right now. Uh, I say right now, but honestly, these injustices are and have been a part of day-to-day -day life since our country's beginning. Uh, if you'd like to help force the change that we need, but you're not sure where to start, the Bail Project is a fund that bails out unjustly incarcerated people uh, that don't have the funds to do so themselves. Um, being stuck in prison and unable to simply live life, go to school, go to work, etc., uh, while waiting the months and possibly years it could take to go to trial uh, can absolutely ruin a person's life. Uh, so even if they do eventually receive an innocent verdict, they're still screwed over. Uh, it's only a small part of a bigger problem to uh, donate to this charity, but it gives back a little bit of the freedom that America is supposed to be about. So uh, that is a charity that Gamerscape will be contributing to. Uh, we'll also be contributing to the Trevor Project, which, uh, for, could you talk about that one? Oh, yeah. I mean, three of us could talk about it easily. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Uh, So the stream team that we mentioned earlier, Rainbow Arcade, uh, all this month is raising funds for the Trevor Project. And I'm actually going to send it to Glenn. Glenn, if you would like to, because you did a very good, you did a very good rundown on your stream the other day that I mm. saw. Wait, about the Trevor Project? About the Trevor Project. So essentially, the Trevor Project, um, if I can try to remember, because uh, so essentially um, what's going on is that with the Trevor Project, it really helps uh, to aid all types, uh, all people in the LGBTQIA sphere, um, you know, that need the help. Uh, so essentially, I don't know, I just feel. <laughs> I put you on the spot here. I'll help you out. It is you have. LGBTQIA plus, particularly youth. 
um, who are maybe struggling or like we talked about earlier, may feel very alone in their struggles as they start to figure out who they are and as they move through that. It was an organization founded by, uh, actually incentivized by a film that was created that sort of sparked the need for change. And you can watch that film on their website, trevorproject.org. Um, but myself, Glenn, Spofi, and um, the extended community and Twitch as a whole this month with Pride are raising funds for the project um, to help contribute to that as they also touch the lives of many other LGBTQIA plus youth that intersect with it and help with suicide prevention as well as resource groups and connective groups um, that kind of brings everybody together so that they know they're not alone in this world and that there is so much future for them to stay hopeful for and to embrace. So, Glenn, I'm sorry I threw you. I was like, Glenn did such a good job the other day, Glenn. Because <laughs> I'm thinking of another chair and I was like, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> but there it is, that's the lowdown. And uh, Rainbow Arcade has already smashed their first goal of $20,000. Which is and insane. we're just a few days. Big claps. That is awesome. Good job. That is a lot of money. Yeah. But we're headed towards 30,000 and we'd love to get as much support as possible. So crazy. Uh, so there, there are other organizations beyond these two that we have listed. These are specifically the ones that Gamerscape is going to contribute to. But um, if you are interested in helping out with these sorts of things, uh, give, just give it a Google even. Uh, you can find charities all over the place. And you can find, if you want to make sure that your money stays local, so you're helping your specific community too, uh, check that out. There are, there are even like the Bail Project, there are specific uh, areas that have bail uh, funds for people in areas. So if, if that's something that you're interested in, take a look at that. Also, also, big one, please remember that just because uh, these things that we have talked about today and just now um, are not in main media does not mean they have gone away. They're not nicely tied up and 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 swept away and, and everything is happy and we can have a dance party now. Uh, please keep an eye on your fellow human beings and uh, make sure that they are safe. They in turn will make sure you are safe and then we can build a place that we can all be proud to live in. So. We sink or swim together. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, uh, is there any other specific charity that anybody would like to mention while we're, we're on this topic? So I've started um, donating to The Color of Change. Mm -hmm. uh, that charity deals mostly with bringing about social changes in our society uh, when it comes to uh, people of color, specifically the black community. Uh, some things that the organization have done have gone to essentially bring their powers to um, our lawmakers, uh, to our policymakers, and they've done things such as pass very specific bills to aid the community in New York, New Jersey, and California. Also, uh, they do a lot with working with Hollywood because, uh, again, Hollywood still has a lot of prejudice when it comes to a lot of the media, and they work on a lot of that stuff. And it's very much like various groups of people banding together uh, to bring campaigns uh, to try to bring changes in society itself. Thank you for sharing. There's uh, one too I'd like to mention. Okay. Uh, every charity stream I've done basically has been for this group. Uh, they're called Affirmations. They're based out of Ferndale, Michigan. Uh, they do unbelievable work in the LGBTQ community here. Uh, whether it be sending out representatives to educate people, whether it be holding events that are, you know, are safe places for LGBTQ people to experiment and learn and, and, and get to know one another, or even providing somewhere to stay for maybe an LGBTQ youth who can't go home safely that night or has been thrown out um, due to the horrific circumstances that sometimes happen when you come out. They do all kinds of unbelievable work in our community. And if you can ever find it a way to support them, 
affirmations uh, in Ferndale, Michigan. You should check them out. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that one. I'm going to throw us back uh, visually and uh, ask that our lovely guests go ahead and uh, let our listeners know where you can be found. I can start. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> you can find me at www.twitch.tv slash um, It's like Sophie, but with a P in the beginning. Um, actually, quick moment on the 16th is when I'm going to be raising money for the Trevor Project and we're hosting a um, pride event in 14. So if you're on Crystal, it's going to be on Coral. I'll have like the housing information and stream and stuff. But the basement literally looks like a rainbow threw up on it. So it's really great. I recommend coming and checking it out. There's going to be lots of prizes and stuff and lots of money raised for the Trevor Project. And we're going to be on the front page of Twitch. So it's just going to be fun. So excellent. Yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Uh, well, I'll go next. Uh, thank you for having me here today. I'm sorry for being such a blabbermouth. I know I can, uh, I get going and I don't stop. My name is Callie, once again, uh, formerly known as Escalia Riumasa of the Limit Break Radio podcast. Uh, nowadays, I work for a group called Checkpoint XP, which we talk esports and gaming. We're on terrestrial radio in 70 cities across North America. We also do a, new, a number of podcasts uh, uh, for different areas of the esports community. Uh, I'm also a writer for the website. You can check out my frequently very gay articles. We just had one about Harley Quinn and the kiss heard round the world in the new Harley Quinn cartoon, which is amazing and you need to watch it. Uh, so you can check me out over at checkpointxp.com and you can follow me on Twitter at Escalia, E-S-K-A-L-I-A. And I'm Glenn Onhill. You can find me on twitch.tv forward slash Glenn Onhill. Glenn with two N's and Onhill is just angel in English. Um, you can also find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com forward slash hello Glenn on Hill. And uh, this Monday, Monday's the 8th, right? This Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, you can find me on the front page with Rainbow Arcade um, playing, I believe we're going to be playing Overcooked for my first time. And I know there's going to be a lot of chaos and I can't wait to scream. <laughs> That's going to be so good. <laughs> All right. We did it. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to meet you all and actually have this discussion. Um, we hope that we've been able to kick off Pride Month in a, in a good way for all those who are celebrating. And uh, thanks for sitting with us here today in the chat. Uh, if you want, you can email us at aetherightradio at gamerscape.com, tweet at us at aetherightradio, and find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Discord at Gamerscape. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.